This is the Voices of Misery podcast. This show isn't for the easily offended, so PC Police on Patrol stand by. You've been warned. Now, let's join the nerd and nerdette with another podcast for that ass. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast. I'm very excited because this one is going to be special. Now, lately, I've been taking up talking a lot of politics because pretty much there's either that or coronavirus to talk about nowadays because that's all there is in the media. So what I do when I'm in over my head on a certain topic is I phone a friend. I reach out to someone who knows a lot more about the topics than I do. And I found a good one today, man. He's got a Ph.D. in NXT. I said it before, I feel B-A-D for H-I-M for having to talk about WWE. Ladies and gentlemen, the God of Thunder, the Andrew Bell. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Not too much, man. Happy to be back. And, uh, dude, well, let's, I'm going to break kayfabe a little bit. Um, <laughs> I phoned you. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm listening to the Voices of Misery every week. I hear you guys talking about this stuff. And, frankly, I don't think you're very far off base, like, you know, considering you think you're over your head on the topic. I, I you know, tend to agree with you, whether or not that means you're, I guess, you know, right at the end of the day is, is you know, to be determined somewhere down the line. But I, I listen to you talking about the virus stuff and the coverage and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm I'm almost in lockstep with you every step of the way. But uh, that said, this is sort of my my arena, I guess. So I uh, <laughs> I do quite a bit of, of, of nauseating research on some of these topics like this morning, for instance, Saturday. I don't have the kid. I had all the time in the world to do whatever I wanted to do. I woke up and watched a documentary from the Epoch Times about the origins of the Wuhan coronavirus. So this is this is this the stuff I do for fun, apparently. And for some reason, it's fun to me. Now, have you had any issues seeing the kid? Because I have heard from from, you know, uh, two family households where the kids are being quarantined with one of the parents. Are, are you seeing those issues? Or are you able to see your kid at will pretty much? I'm uh, I saw the issue for a little bit through no fault of anybody's when I got sick for a little while uh, came down with a fever uh, in retrospect, even though at the time I think I was trying to psych myself out of it. I probably did have a little bit of shortness of breath. I have no idea whether or not I had coronavirus, but I have actually applied with NHS to, or NIH rather National Institute of Health to try to get the antibody test. So we'll find out. Um, so for during that period of time, like I, I picked up the phone call, baby mama was like, look. I got a fever. It's best for her, best for you guys, best for everybody if I just stay home for a couple of weeks. So I'm not going to be able to have her. Um, and then I just ended up making up the time once I got better. But uh, yeah, so for like a week there, I didn't get to see her when I otherwise would have. But for the most part, uh, she's up in the hot zone like here in Jersey. She's at Bergen County is like the worst of all of it uh, mm -hmm. because it's the closest to New York, essentially. So she's up there. She's really uh, she's homeschooling and, and not leaving the house other than when she leaves it with me or her mother. So she's, you know, for the most part, being sheltered from all this, but she's probably in greater danger of getting this than I am. Ultimately, nevertheless, uh, she's, you know, she's my kid and I love her and I'm going to go see her. Um, I'm not certainly worried about dying from this as I'm seeing more and more of the numbers come in. I mean, I'm, I'm more importantly trying to just stay away from my parents. 
if I think I might have been, you know, in contact with anybody. But other than that, life has generally been unimpinged here for your God of Thunder. I, uh, I'm, I'm sort of an introvert, despite what you might think from hearing me on podcasts. So I spend a lot of time inside watching movies anyway, and now I'm just doing it more often. I'll tell you what, man, the whole podcast thing, I would say a good 90% of us are all introverts. And I, I like I have crippling, like just just social anxiety. I can't talk to people in public, but when I'm doing it here via Skype, I've talked to everybody. I've talked to actors, porn stars, fucking professional eaters, you guys, wrestlers, all sorts of people. And it's like easy. It just comes naturally. I just think it's it, it's easier for us to do it this way. And we're the ones that are least affected by this coronavirus because we're not going out. We were always living this lifestyle. Basically, everyone turned into us and they hate it. People are going nuts right now. Have you been watching these things? Did you see the uh, one... Where I think it was, um, where the fuck was it? Where the guys they, uh, I, I think it was Michigan, where they stormed the like the the house of whatever the hell they got, and the, and, the, and the guys were armed. Oh wow! <laughs> did you see that shit? It was like two days. I ago. did. No, no, I haven't seen that one in particular, but I, I have been seeing a lot of these protests, obviously, and you get it, you know, the, the visuals that you're seeing in the media are sort of hilarious. It's like you know, just a bunch of white guys standing there with guns at like the the step of a. Uh, you know, whatever government building insert here. But it, it's funny because when this all started, those people seemed, you know, even even for somebody like me who sympathizes with them, I, I think, you know, it was probably a little early to be getting that irrational about all of it. I, I understand if you're out of work and, you, you know, you have a difficulty right now, like I, I feel your pain. I was there sans coronavirus not all that long ago. Um, but, you know, the, it, it did kind of feel like a little early. We knew it was going to be 15 and then 30 days and we, we unfortunately were really left with no choice but to ride it out. But now, more and more increasingly, we're all becoming those protesters. And then even in New York, you're seeing large displays of people that are like, dude, like, let's just go back to life. Like some people are going to get this. Some people are going to die. It's unfortunate. But, you know, a lot more people are suffering as a result of some of the measures that have been put in place. And, uh, and, and it's just funny, like we're all going to eventually become Sweden where we're all eventually just going to try to resume life and quarantine the sick and the elderly. And we're all eventually going to become these protesters where I saw a poll that said by like mid June, 100% of the people who took the poll say that they'll have had enough of this lockdown. So we got about a month before shit hits the fan. And, um, I, I kind of hope that we can get out before it does. Yeah, it's absolutely insane, man. And like, it, I, I keep hearing things like food shortages, and and people are not, not you know, like taking the roads. The supposedly there's no traffic anywhere. People are social distancing. There's lines outside of stores. We live here in Myrtle Beach, man. Very populated area. Every store we've gone to, we were able to walk right in, walk right out. People had their face masks on shore. But you you really wouldn't be able to tell anything different was going on if you just looked outside for like a different set of eyes because our roads are packed, man. We've got people speeding. We've got traffic. Everything is the same. The only thing that's different is parking lots are empty for the non-essential places. But that's about it, man. We haven't noticed anything. The stores are still stocked. I mean, like some meat is a little bit overpriced because they're uh, they're there's a big demand, I guess, on ribeye and beef and pork and stuff like that. But yeah. That's about it, man. I mean, everything else is pretty good. How are things in Jersey? You notice anything different? Uh, I mean, it's 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 sort of in between the apocalyptic nonsense you see on the news and what you just described. So it's like when I go to the grocery store, it's fairly normal. I have two that are very close to me. I go to both of them, you know, on a regular basis, just like on a whim, depending on what I need. 
Stop and Shop doesn't have any sort of line to get in where ShopRite is only letting so many people in the store at a certain time. So guess where I'm going? I'm going to Stop and Shop because I'm not going to stand outside in the line to go to a grocery store. Uh, so I go over there, and but they have um, stupid lines on the on the ground. Uh, you know, they want you to go in a certain flow of traffic up and down the aisles and. I already got yelled at by some old lady. She said, you're going the wrong way. And I'm like, shouldn't you be home? Like, get out of my face. Um, and, and, you know, so so things like that. And I'm noticing, yeah, some of the meats are a little bit more expensive. But I'm also, I think that's mostly because all the cheap meats are being purchased first. So, like, I went yesterday. The only steaks they had were, like, full of and porterhouses. And I'm like, all right, this is a little bit more than I want to spend for a casual Saturday or Friday night meal by myself. Um, so, you know, it went, went like a burger route if I could find it or whatever the case may be. But for the most part, I think people are just, they're trying to go to the store less often. So you're seeing the, the shortages in, like in my stores, there was entire aisles that were empty. Obviously the paper products are hard to come by. Uh, canned foods was pretty, pretty much kind of wiped out. Um, and, and, and great, like, that's fine. If that's what you gotta do, you gotta, you gotta knock down my selection a little bit in order for you to just stay home for a week. Great. Stay home for a week. No one's probably missing you anyway. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a little interesting. Everybody's kind of on high alert. I live in like a condo complex over here. Everybody's home. Like even Monday afternoon, everybody's car is still here. And that's a little eerie. But other than that, uh, you know, kind of like I said before, like my, my life is, is fairly unimpinged by all of this. It's just business as usual. Do a podcast, go see the kid, get some work done, do another podcast, maybe get some sleep and eat a meal along the way. And that's pretty much life anyway. Now, you said your, your wife's pretty much or your life's pretty much unchanged. Do you like are you considered an essential worker? Are you still working or are you out right now? I am. Yeah, I'm an essential worker. I work in the finance industry. Uh, so I, I went from a job that I would have been able to keep anyway, uh, but I was getting laid off and managed to like perfectly find a job as of the next day that I would have, the, you know, the first day I would have been unemployed. And <laughs> I, I actually, it was so weird because I'm going through this process and I'm thinking to myself, like, as I'm seeing the reports about this virus, I'm going, oh, this is going to make it impossible for me to find a job right now. Like, no one's going to hire. People aren't going to even want to interview me. Well, I yeah. found out I was terribly wrong. Um, I was getting interviews left and right. I mean, not that my resume is anything special, but maybe I just, you know, what, whatever the case may be, it just happened to work um, at the right time. And I got interviews left and right on the same day. I got three offers, and one of them was the, the job that I ultimately took. And it's a, it's a great gig. I was able to work from home for the first several weeks while I was getting through all the stupid training modules and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it it was nice to, as I keep telling the HR lady over there, um, uh, I'm like, this, this is great because now I get to learn the job. And then when everything opens up, then I can work with everybody there and like meet everybody and find out where everything is in the office. So it's like it's two different animals that I get to address at separate times. So it's actually worked out really well for me. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, I actually got, ended up getting a bump in pay from my old job to the new one. So this, 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 um, has, has kind of been aces for me, but uh, obviously I know I'm in the minor, the minority with, with that, as far as this coronavirus situation goes. Now, how do you feel as a worker who, who has a job and you're actually working it right now? Because I've gotten some flack, man, from some people because they're like, oh, well, you're getting this big ass $600 bonus plus, 
you know, the regular unemployment, you're getting $900 a week to sit at home. I'm like, I haven't gotten approved yet, motherfucker. Yeah. A lot of people in South Carolina have not gotten this yet. A lot of us are waiting. I applied over a month ago. And, and I was furloughed. I'm still waiting to go back to work. Supposedly, we're going to be reopening in the coming weeks. Hopefully, this actually happens. Okay. But the people that are saying, no, you should be lucky to be home. And I'm like, no, you should be lucky you're working because I'm sitting here getting drunk every day, probably killing my goddamn liver. And it, it, it seems like there's almost like a role reversal. People that are working don't want to work. People that aren't working want to work. It's, I mean, like, how do you feel? Like, are you just happy doing what you're doing or would that little $600 stipend be, be, be nice in your paycheck? Uh, you know, it's funny because in retrospect, I, I think to myself, man, maybe I should have just collected the unemployment for a while. Like, not at the time, I didn't know that they were going to be putting that stipulation into the package. Um, and, and ultimately, I think I'm better off anyway. I'm probably making still a little bit more than I'd be making on unemployment. I got my foot in the door of a good organization. Hopefully, I'll be able to climb my way up through. So it's like, you know, given the opportunity to make a little extra money between now and the end of July. In, in setting myself up with an opportunity that could last far beyond that. I think the latter is obviously the route to go. And that's, that's obviously where I went, but I have like, I have a friend of mine who I've known basically my entire life. And for lack of a better term, he's just a grifter. Like, I mean, the guy, he, he, he was regularly just getting a job for six months and then going on unemployment for six months anyway, like just doing everything he possibly could to just milk the system and do as little as humanly possible to sustain himself. And then the cares act comes around and uh, they decided to put that extra $600 into the paycheck. And he called me the other day, and I haven't talked to him in a while. He's like, yeah, man, I'm collecting unemployment. Um, I'm pretty much just going to ride this thing out till the end of July because I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life right now. And I was like, that is just the dumbest conceivable yeah. thing. I mean, we are literally incentivizing people to stay home. Uh, as somebody who has a job, like I am so eternally grateful not only for being able to find this job, but to be able to have a job right now. I mean, I probably have mechanisms by which I'd stay afloat, credit, friends and family, whatever the case may be. But like, who wants to deal with that if you don't have to? Um, and and right now, you know, like I said, I've, I've got a job, but I, I feel for everybody out there who either can't get work or has a job where, frankly, you're probably not making enough money to merit going out there and endangering yourself. And maybe it is the best option for you to to, you know, kind of I guess, leave the job. I know a lot of organizations are not challenging unemployment for cases where people just feel uncomfortable and they can't go to work. So hopefully that's the case in the majority of cases. But yeah, man, if you're, if you're out there right now and you're, you're, you know, you, for the first time in your life, wondering where your next meal is going to be coming from like that. So there's a lot of people out there who never, ever expected to be in that situation that are now on lines at food banks in Texas or whatever it may be. And I, I, I couldn't feel any worse for them. And as I'm looking at the response, as I'm looking at the lockdowns and the reopenings and the, all the controversy surrounding both or either or whatever the case may be, I got to start wondering, like, is the cure now worse than the disease? Like, have we gotten to the point to where 30 million people are out of work in exchange for, what, 60,000 deaths right now? A lot of people that were old and sick and probably would have died from a normal flu. Uh, it, it seems like we may have overstepped here a little bit, but I guess it's still way too early to really tell we're going to need to let some time pass and look at how other countries handled it and see who handled it the best. And hopefully we can have a plan the next time something like this happens. Yeah, man. And just to kind of piggyback off what you said there, I was talking to a manager at a Wendy's when I was in line at Walmart, they had their gear on and said manager. So I'm like, Hey, let me ask you a question, man. The guys like, yeah, what's up? I go, uh, so how many employees have quit your job because 
they want to get unemployment because they're making a lot more money. He was like, dude, I got like three people on staff right now. He used to have like 10. People are, are willingly leaving their jobs saying that they're uncomfortable, just like you said. And they got unemployment. And it's like, dude, how many more people, how many more businesses are going to suffer that are actually open that are, you know, these essential workers like McDonald's, Domino's, pizza, people that work at liquor stores. For some reason, liquor is essential. But people that work at liquor store making nine bucks an hour, 20 hours a week can go on unemployment and make all this money. I mean, even essential businesses are losing employees because this money is just too good to to give up for some of these people, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, that. That, to me, was an insane clause to put in there to begin with. I mean, it literally cannot justify to me in any way, shape, or form why paying somebody extra right now is necessary. It's like, on top of the fact that you were, let's assume you had a job and you were making what you were making and you're going to get what you're going to get in unemployment, you shouldn't be making more money than you were making before. If you wanted to make it, you could apply for as much money as you were making before. Fine. Okay, that makes sense. We're now supplementing the system a little bit we're keeping people afloat uh but the added incentive i was even hearing this week like the small businesses or even mid-sized businesses that are applying for aid through the government they need to have a certain percentage of people on the payroll uh from what they had before the coronavirus hit and they can't get these people back on the payroll even to do nothing while they're closed because unemployment is paying them more money and it doesn't make any sense for them to do that right now, even though it would, you know, guarantee them hopefully a job come July 31st when all this extra sweet unemployment money stops. Uh, hopefully it stops because I, I hope they don't extend it. So, you, you know, you're kind of you're taking the short term gain for for some uncertainty down the line. I, I, it would be very hard for me to turn down the extra 600 bucks a month, I guess, if I was given the, the, the choice myself. But you know, I, I happen to have myself an opportunity, so I'm, yeah. I'm in a little bit different boat than most people. Uh, but it, it, it is just crazy. And then to me, that is and let's dive into the politics a little bit of it. The, the, the idea that we should be giving people more money than they to sit at home than they would have made at their jobs is I mean, this is Democrat. Like, please rely. This is just conditioning to rely on government more and more. Uh, conditioning mm-hmm. to want stupid things like a 15 or $20 minimum wage or whatever the case may be. They want you to get used to a certain lifestyle. And then when that gets pulled out from underneath you, now you're looking for somebody to give you a handout again. And of course, you know, assuming God forbid uh, the thing wins in 2020, uh, he'll be <laughs> there to hand it out, you know? So, I mean, that that's to me, it, there's no logical explanation for why you would pay people more. So you have to wonder, what is the motivation there? And it's obvious. It's that they want you to be more and more reliant on government so that government's your daddy and that when when the mean orange man doesn't continue to hand you money eventually, you're going to look poorly upon him as if you don't already in most cases. Um, and, and, you know, it's just another thing. Oh, Trump wants you to starve. It's like, no, Trump wants you to go back to the freaking life you were living before this because it was insane that you were giving more money to stay home to begin with and – he could have very well vetoed the bill based on that, but didn't because he thought it was more important to get money into your hands now than it was to play political games with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. So, um, you know, that, there's a lot of things in that in that particular bill that was passed that were just insane. But are we going to sit here and, and nitpick or are we going to help the American people? And he erred on the side of helping the American people. 
And I'll tell you what, man, it's just it just doesn't make any sense to me because the whole thing is America works better when people feel good about what they're doing. America's built off the backs of hardworking human beings, man, not not handouts. And my wife and I, we, we talked about this on one of our previous shows where if let's say if her and I both worked at Burger King and we both made seven dollars an hour and we had food stamps and we're a family of four and we got two hundred dollars a month in food stamps to support the family. Right. Mm-hmm. What they did down here in South Carolina is they are giving an extra six hundred bucks plus maximum unemployment. That's nine hundred dollars each person. It's eighteen hundred dollars a week plus maximum food stamps. And we looked at the numbers. A family of four gets six hundred bucks. So that's like twenty four hundred dollars free money. They're just giving you every week to stay home. How long can we sustain this, dude? We're fucking pretty much destroying the country each day. Yeah. Stay closed, man. This is ridiculous. I, I mean, I'm not afraid of much. I'm not afraid of anything in life except for like a wormhole. Thanks to Ben Hanin putting that idea in my head. And uh, <laughs> I mean, when me and him had a conversation, holy shit, he, he said some crazy stuff. Uh, but like, it's like that. But now I fear the government because they can do this any time they want for any reason to shut us down. And we have no say in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, that that gets to me increasingly more likely again if a Democrat wins or, or takes the presidency ever again. Because let's face it, Trump did not want to do this. Trump had the greatest economy no. in the history of the world going. And it was going to ride him right into an easy reelection. Like assuming the coronavirus wasn't around between the economy roaring, the unemployment numbers and bumbling Joe Biden, he was going to cakewalk to like 38 states in the Electoral College and just, Easily. you know, he was going to he was going to, you know, he was going to be Deion Sanders, like, you know, prancing across <laughs> the end zone at the end of this whole thing. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I this yeah, exactly. It's like, this is he's going to put a do rag on and everything. It's just literally the the last thing in the world he wanted to do. This now that we've not only been in it, but continue to see the adverse effects of the lockdowns and of the uh, you know just the, the closing of non essential businesses, whatever that even means. You could see the Democrats like loving it. The 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 local governors making ridiculous fascist if not authoritarian you know outright authoritarian decision making about closing certain shelves in grocery stores and declaring gun stores non-essential declaring protesting non-essential um you know they come out with these just ridiculous things because they they see the ability to flex their authoritarian power and be like oh i've got i've got emergency powers i can use right now i should definitely use them just because i can and, you know, with the with with the with the increasing impatience with the lockdown, um, I, I think it's quite obvious that this isn't sustainable, both on a societal level and to get back to the finances of all this a little bit. I mean, already unemployment in a lot of states has been bled dry. Uh, they're asking the federal government for help. The federal government just wrote like a bunch of checks for multi trillions of dollars that we already don't have. They're just printing that money. Um, and it will inevitably lead in a bump in, in interest rates in, in order taxes. to try to, yeah, in order to try to to absorb that money or taxes or uh, I'm with Ben Hamin on this one. Uh, let let's legalize pot and tax that pretty heavily until we could start paying off a, a big chunk of this, which I think we could do if mm-hmm. we, if we put on like a national sales tax on on weed for Jesus you know, Christ, yeah. five to ten years or whatever it is just to just to get through this. And, uh, you know, hey, if, you know, you can you could help your country by smoking a little extra weed. I think we'll I think we'll be OK. Um, I think that'll be a plan that could work. <laughs> but, well, I'll be much better off. 
but now we have a situation. Yeah, exactly. And all the all the edibles you can eat there, Mr. Nerd. Um, oh. But now we get to a situation where the federal government ha- doesn't have money that the state governments are looking for. And as Trump continues to point out, a lot of these states were in really bad financial situations before all of this. They kept spending money through all of this. And now they're looking to be bailed out almost in their entirety, um, like New York and California and a couple of other obviously blue states were, were running in the red for a long time because of their already ridiculous spending habits. And then this comes along and now they want to be bailed out, not, not only for the, the costs of the coronavirus, but they want to be bailed out and made whole again. So now we're just going back and the rest of us are paying for the terrible policies of certain states and certain cities. Um, it's it's absolutely not sustainable. I mean, the, the national debt was already ridiculous well before this. And it's it's basically increased by the time this is all done. We may have, you know, another 50 percent of the debt that we had before all of this, which is pretty insane when you think about it. I mean, just between the loss of GDP and then all the money that's been going out the door, all the businesses that are closing, all the people unemployed, the money that's not circulating and being taxed anymore. Uh, we are. We are spitting money out at a faster rate than ever before while taking in money at a slower rate than in any time in recent history. Um, You don't need to be a mathematician to know that that eventually leads to some serious problems economically. Oh, of course. And it's it's funny that you brought the marijuana thing because that was where I kind of wanted to go next. And and, and this is like a just like just like your your quick thoughts on this, because they deem marijuana stores basically like like little head shops essential. Which doesn't make any sense to me because it's illegal in so many states. So how can you deem it essential for some, but for others, it's not? Yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, I, I don't know. No necess- yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't make sense. But I mean, I could see where obviously people who need it for medicinal purposes, that's that's an essential. Uh, I don't know how the dispensaries work in a lot of these areas, if they're separated in some way, if it's, you know, if there's medical ones and then there's recreational ones. But I'd, I I would assume that some are doing both and it would make sense since the doors are open anyway to allow people to go in for recreational purposes so that business could continue to flourish and keep it available for the medicinal users. Um, that, that's a that's a bit of a, a roundabout theory. But, um, yeah, I mean, with the alcohol, too, same thing with the booze being an essential Whatever that, whatever the case may be, I, again, there's no real logical explanation for that. So, what's the motivation? And uh, I don't I, honestly, I think it's just um, they they assume that if people are sitting at home and drinking, they'll be less likely to go out and protest. Uh, <laughs> I think because yeah. uh, you know, I I don't I don't know what other explanation there would be other than to sedate an obviously anxious population right now. And if they're willing to sedate themselves, I guess, like, why not? But at the same time, we're looking to flatten the curve. We're looking to slow the spread of this thing. And uh, by allowing people in liquor stores in droves doesn't necessarily sound like that's conducive to the plan. So I'm kind of curious to see what I, I don't know that I've seen any politicians make any, you know, declarative statements about exactly why they felt those were essential, where. Um, not selling seeds and potted plants in Michigan was declared so non-essential that, that again, Governor Whitmer, Governor Milfi, as I like to call her over there, oh, uh, had actually, yeah, she's, she's a little cutie. And there's obviously a reason that she got magically thrust into the forefront um, in recent history and politics. She, um, you know, she was pulled from obscurity to respond to the State of the Union the last time around 
no one knew who this woman was. And all of a sudden she's there responding to Trump's magnificent State of the Union speech. It was one of the best speeches he's ever made. Um, oh, and she yeah, was that put in that be- awkward position. Oh, he killed it. And by the way, that was on February 4th. He mentioned the coronavirus then. So he was already thinking about it. It was already in his agenda way back then when they're telling you that he wasn't worried about this. He was downplaying it. He was ignoring the evidence. Uh, He was talking about it while Nancy Pelosi was trying to put legislation in place to try to stop him from banning travel from some of the countries that had it. And frankly, I mean, he saved tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives by putting those travel bans in place. And uh, we, you know, instead of thanking him for that, he was called a racist and a xenophobe. So, I mean, that, that just tells you where the media and the Democrats are, is that they, they're not even willing to cut a little bit of slack, except for Joe Biden, who later recanted and said, oh, you know what, I probably would have done that too. And Nancy Pelosi, who delusionally is now claiming that she was for it the whole time, while again, she had declared legislation yep. at the time saying, we don't want him to be able to do this. So, they, yep. you know. The the internet never wins. Uh, television never forgets, and the and the Democrat Party will just boldface lie to your face. And you know what? The re- Republicans will too. It's not just the Democrats. Yeah. I just think that their uh, I think their motives are a bit more nefarious than the Republicans. Obviously, if you know my my situation, so um, it, it's 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 terrible that these people can just outright lie, and their followers will just yep. Oh, okay. Nancy said she was for the bans. Well. Their facts say otherwise. Yeah, but she said. So, you know, we're going to go with her. I, I don't even understand. And right around that time, wasn't she telling people to go out, hold hands, and party, and just go yes. together? She was around that time she was doing this. And it's like, they just forget. They just they just forget the shit that they say. And it just doesn't make any sense. And, like, around the time Trump was, was, was campaigning to be president, of course, it was, like, right before I became, you know, the true definition of woke, which is uh, getting away from the Democratic side. I was watching the news and I believed everything they said. And over time, hearing what Trump was saying, and I found a a podcaster named Dana Lash, who completely changed my my outlook. And then okay. I was, yeah, she's she's. Uh, did you ever listen to her? She's I, I, I don't I don't listen to the show necessarily, but I, I'm familiar with her. And uh, and 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 then that kind of went to the Daily Wire guys. I'm listening to uh, Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles and uh, Buck Buck Sexton, <laughs> with okay. the, the greatest name of all time. <laughs> and I'm listening to these right wingers, and I'm like, wait a second, these guys make a lot of fucking sense. And then you start seeing the holes start getting poked in your brain where the Democratic side used to be, and before you know, there's nothing left. And I, I just, I just, I just had nothing but contempt for them now. There's, there's, there's no redeeming qualities except for AOC is very cute, but very mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just the way I like them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the, the one thing I did want to talk to you about as far as the fake news goes is the most blatant lie I've ever fucking seen on CNN. And that's Chris Cuomo, who's been a punching bag on the show a lot oh, lately. Oh, yes. Good old Rising. Fredo. Rising from his casket to see his family, and the video—I don't know if you—you you, you must have seen the video. Oh he's, yeah, yeah. He's—he's he's already got his hands on the handrails, looking at the camera, waiting for them to say, "All right, go." I am out. Want to see my family? This is the moment I've been waiting for. I'm going to do one of these to you, doing like these air hand slaps and shit. And on this podcast, a week before, I think it was like Easter Sunday, him and his wife were screaming at some guy on a bike as they were looking at their house. <laughs> and, and he even admitted that he, he yelled at the guy and this happened. And then he acts like he just came out of quarantine a week later on a show. 
it's like, what the fuck? Are these people that delusional? I mean, like, this isn't this, the 50s anymore where, where you could do some horrible shit and no one ever finds out because there's no internet. There, there's no cell phones. There's no videos. There's no word of it. There's, there's, no, there, there's no other form of, like, no outlets. These guys yeah. fucking delusional, man. Like, what, what, what are they thinking? Yeah, they know, man. I mean, they they know they're lying to you. Nancy Pelosi knew she was lying to you too because her, her either her or somebody from her campaign or somebody from her staff went back onto Twitter and deleted all the videos that were retweeted by her account of her talking about coming down to Chinatown in the middle of a pandemic. And you know, she was she she wore the woke uh, virtue signal hat of like, oh no, I want everyone to come down here because there's there's all these racial biases going on because of this virus right now, and it's like that the, the virus hadn't even really kicked into the point to where it was it was really like a, a source of anger for a lot of people. Certainly, our government officials should have been on top of it, but uh, but the, the average citizen didn't know a ton about it at the time, and there weren't many cases here. Um, but you know, she she still said what she said, and then boldface lied about it, and then they went back and tried to like sneak delete the tweets in order to uh to to remove them from the internet as if that is even a thing um but yeah getting back to cuomo i mean yeah that whole thing is a bold-faced lie i mean it, it first of all his wife had it so why was he quarantined from his wife to begin with and exactly. if the two of them had it why are they hanging out with their kids they don't have a nanny a granddad uh uh you know uncle andrew couldn't or you know could couldn't have taken care of them like it doesn't it doesn't seem like any of that whole scenario makes sense. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't even think he had it. I oh, think no, it, he didn't. No yeah. way. No way he had it. There's no no way. Because he, he was recording a show every day. He was saying he yeah. was fucking hallucinating. These aren't even symptoms of the coronavirus. Right. Oh, oh, I was hallucinating about my dead family members. Get the fuck out of here, man. I fucking hate him. And 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 a story came out after that 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 his son caught it. So once he matched the from the dead, his son had it. And, and yeah, come on, man. Oh, they're just trying to keep this shit going forever. Fuck these Cuomos, dude. I can't stand any of them. I think so. And his wife, too. His wife is, um, I guess, some sort of personality on the Internet. Um, I don't know. I don't know what outlet or whatever it is. But she was talking about all these weird holistic treatments that they were taking. And, hey, I'm not trying to knock holistic medicine. I have such little faith in modern medicine these days that I would pretty much try anything other than. So I, I get it. But um, the, she was talking about how some doctor or some, you know, healer or whatever it is, told her to literally take a bath with bleach. Clorox. They were using, yeah, they were using crystals like, like Marianne Williamson, hashtag orb gang. Um, they, they were doing all this like weird stuff to try to fix this thing. Meanwhile, God forbid Trump makes even the slightest suggestion about like what could, couldn't do, um, you know, some damage to this virus. And it's, you know, it, he's telling you to inject bleach. He's telling you to, to eat light bulbs. He's telling you to like, whatever it is. It's just, it's hilarious. The double standard that exists there. And for the most part, I mean, does Trump? Yeah. Well, let me let me be perfectly clear. I do not like you know worship the man. He is not an infallible being, a golden calf, uh, by any means. He, the guy is very flawed, and that's why I like him. And he, yeah, yeah, does he think out loud sometimes at press conferences where he shouldn't? Yeah, sure. But that gives us incredible insight into I what's like going that. on in the mind of the commander in chief. Like, yeah, I want to know what he's thinking. I don't want cookie cutter, um, well articulated promos that like obama used to give or bush used to give and uh the the guy is rough around the edges and that's part of his charm uh to a certain extent so when he's talking about he's seeing he's talking about different treatments in this press conference right he's talking about light being one 
and a disinfectant being another. And, you know, he's he's kind of dancing in between the two topics, whereas, you know, his opponent in November can't even seem to handle one. Um, and does he get a little lost in his line of thought a little bit there? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the idea that at any point in that press conference, he suggested to anyone that they should be injecting themselves with the chemicals you find under your sink is 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 complete fallacy. And the media, the media had that reaction reported on that reaction and then went on to create more stories based on the reaction to their delusional reaction in the first place. So they freak out about it. Then Lysol creates a statement and then they report on the Lysol statement like, oh, like, oh, Lysol had to put out a thing. Yeah, Lysol also has to put like, do not eat this on the actual can because people are so stupid that they might actually think that that could help them. And then the idea that all the poison control um, you know, uh, hotlines were getting all these extra calls as a result of Trump. It turned out that too was a complete fallacy. It turns out that all poison control hotlines have been seeing an increase in calls in the last several months, including the months before he made that statement, because people are home and they're cleaning more and they're using these chemicals and people are maybe accidentally ingesting them or inhaling them and they're calling the poison control lines because of that, not because they think Trump told them to inject like even me as like a diehard Trump supporter if he literally said the words inject yourself with Lysol I would not have done it so it's hard for me to imagine how anybody including a lot of people in these blue states for some reason seem to think that they would be you know they would be in lockstep with Dr. Donald Trump's medicinal treatments for a virus that not even the experts know much about nevertheless the guy who's just relying on the experts who again don't know much about this. Well, you know, it, it's screwed up because they are skewing the numbers there, but they're also doing it in other places, too. And I don't know if uh, you saw this or not, because this is a fairly recent article that I found. But they were talking about how the uh, coronavirus numbers are influenced in hospitals by the amount of money they get per admittance of, of uh, just patients. So if someone comes in, it was like $2,000 or $5,000 or something crazy like that, that the hospital will receive for admitting the person. They get like four times that amount if the person is admitted with COVID-19. And they get a whopping $39,000 if they're admitted with COVID-19 and get a ventilator. So do you think maybe there's a little bit of a bait and switch here with these hospitals trying to get more money? Just admitting people with COVID-19, like maybe some paperwork's getting flubbed here along the way just to inflate these numbers? Maybe it's Uh, not as bad as they're saying. A hundred percent that's happening. Yeah, even according to CDC guidelines, they're talking about if people die and you think they may have had COVID, or you suspect that COVID may have had something to do with that death, you mark it down as a COVID death. And and even if you go on the CDC reports right now, um, there are drastic decreases in the number of influenza and and pneumonia deaths. There's actually been a decrease in in deaths like across the board for virtually all other causes of death. Obviously, car crashes are at a minimum right now, less people are driving. Um, cancer treatments are probably, honestly, there's probably people dying in their homes right now from cancer because they can't get anywhere near a hospital to get chemo. So those numbers will probably catch up with the norm, uh, unfortunately, if not surpass them. But there's a lot of other things that people need treatment for that they're not able to get treatment for right now because the hospitals are inundated with this virus and no one wants to go near it, especially if you're somebody who's got an already pre-existing condition. 
Um, if you're, 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 you've been undergoing chemo treatments, you definitely don't want to catch this thing um, because yeah, obviously your immune system's a bit compromised as it is. So you're not going to go to the hospital to get chemo, nor is there anyone there to give it to you anyway, because all the medical staff has been pointed towards this virus that when you look at the numbers, I mean, the, the people who are dying from this are old people, fat people, uh, people who have some sort of immunocompromise. Uh, if you're 45 and even moderately healthy, you have like a one in thousand chance of dying from this, which is conspicuously exactly the odds that the general population has of dying of the regular flu to begin with. So it, it's it, it it is definitely, I think, overhyped. I think the numbers are inflated for the purposes of those financial benefits that you mentioned there. I think it's also overhyped for the purposes of fear mongering. And I think when you go back and you look at certain cases like New York, for instance, New York is the worst of all of it. I think there's like a quarter of the deaths in the country are all coming out of New York state and about 20% uh, from New York city specifically. There were policies in place where Cuomo was mandating that if you were a nursing home resident, you got treated for COVID at a hospital, you must then go back to your nursing home after (laughs) being treated uh, which then obviously brought the virus back with it into a room or a, a an entire building filled with the most vulnerable people possible. It got to the point to where the law was so obvious, uh, the, the practice became so obvious where it was going to end. And this is a business insider report I happen to see. They were literally sending body bags back with the person to the nursing home because they knew how that was going to end. And not only were they doing it, and that was the regular practice, it was mandated by the governor. You know, the guy who's on TV all the time, all the Cuomo sexuals out there that are loving this guy, want to make him the next president of the United States. That guy was literally responsible for the deaths of hundreds of patients in nursing homes because of that stupid policy. It's it's insane. Well, you know what else is strange, too, about there is uh, I I saw two articles this morning as a matter of fact that there were multiple trucks with bodies filled and people yeah. were complaining about a scent and they investigated this scent they opened up these trucks and there was nothing but dead bodies stacked on top of each other and there was another one there was a hospital in brooklyn where they i i guess this guy went to go pay respects to his grandfather and he saw in one of the caskets he's like is that a, a foot and the guy like does some investigating and he reports it Authorities went to the scene and they saw nothing but just bodies laying on the ground in this fucking hospital. Just laying on the ground. It's unattended. They're not in a freezer. They're just laying on the ground. It's decomposing. Like, they don't even have a place to put these fucking bodies anymore. Where was that? That last one. Do you remember? That last one wasn't broken. It, it, it was a Yahoo article. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm seeing a lot of reports in New York. I mean, there's obviously, there's even people in their apartments that... Their loved one died and they can't get the body moved because there's no one out there to do that right now. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that are dying from this. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Are all those deaths being counted into the tolls? I don't know, you know, necessarily. I'm inclined to think that they would be or will be eventually because, you know, again, they're kind of trying to bump those numbers up as it is. Um, But it's. This is one of those weird circumstances where, it, you know, it, why isn't that an essential service? The 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 funeral homes and all that sort of stuff. That seems pretty essential to me. Um, you know, you obviously need to be able to to grieve and, and properly bury your loved ones, especially if you're going through something like that right now. And um, and unfortunately, 
a lot of these homes are being overwhelmed with uh, with the bodies that are coming in and they're not able to really do much with them so um if god forbid you know you should pass right now i would strongly suggest writing up you know something that says you want to be cremated otherwise you may be left you know lying around and rotting but um yeah. in new york in particular man i mean it's it's an extraordinarily dense population you've got um you've got people you know living on the streets all over the place those people were not well off to begin with although they might have very high immune systems as a result of their living situation so maybe they're less susceptible to this um but um it, it's you know it was always kind of a thin line between life or death for a lot of people in new york as it is and and unfortunately we kind of took a step over that with the coronavirus because people don't want to go get treated i think a lot of these deaths are probably covid related but i think a lot of them are probably related to other um you know drug overdoses or even for that matter you know um you know right now is a really good time to like you know be a criminal because there's not a ton of activity going on around outside um, where, you know, you, you might have the ability to take advantage of this situation. Um, so uh, I, not that I'm suggesting anybody do that. I'm just saying that if you're somebody who is out there doing that, you know, you're not worried about the moral ramifications of what doing something like that right now might mean. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's people out there taking advantage of these situations. Um, but it's, it's crazy. The, the, the stories that you see with the with the bodies and the there was a nursing home here in New Jersey. I think there was like almost 20 people found out back in a shed because they didn't have anywhere else to put the bodies. And um, I mean, that's if you're if you're one of those members of any of those people's families, you, you I mean, you have a pretty hefty lawsuit, I'm sure, on your hands. So hopefully okay. those families could be compensated for the, you know, the disgrace that was per perpetuated upon their their loved one there. That's that's. That would be a pretty awful way to find out. That's how Grandpa went. <laughs> now, I've, I don't know about you, but I have never seen so many like grisly pictures on the Internet or in any news publications or even just watching the news on TV. There used to be a website called Ogrish.com that they shut down back when I was in high school. It was a website that showed like scat, like murders and decapitation, all sorts of weird, creepy shit. When we were high school kids and this one kid in particular, he's always like, hey, look at this, look at this. And we'd fucking almost vomit because it was just, just some horrible <laughs> shit. And now, like that article I told you about that's on Yahoo and I'll send it to you later is like you see like people's like legs just laying out there with like flies on them and shit and like they and they're showing these horrific things and i and i'm thinking they're doing this to build fear and you you want to ask yourself why why are you trying to scare people so much and i really feel like this is a direct shot at trump because what is he known for great economy what what gets hurt the most this economy through this whole you know fear pandemic that they're forcing upon us with these inflated numbers and the coronavirus and all this other shit do you see this as like just the Democrats doing anything, even destroying the economy, the planet itself, at the risk of getting more power in an election? Oh, totally. I mean, that's that's absolutely what's going on. Um, those types of images, the ones that you described there, those types of things, unfortunately, happen all the time, all over the world. We could yeah. be seeing them in this quantity all the you know at all the time. There's a reason that we don't see them because a most people don't want to look at that sort of stuff, and b uh, most outlets don't think that that's necessarily appropriate to be putting out on public airwaves all the time, even though we all know these things happen. Um, but they are they're you know they're they're letting letting the dogs loose on this one, and they want to create as much panic and as much fear as humanly possible. I mean, they want you to be dependent 
on the government and on the media because then they can use that dependency to control literally everything and anything that you want to do. The media right now is is if if you were to listen to the CNNs, the MSNBCs of the world, you would think that like the world is on fire, that that like everybody's just dropping dead from this disease, that our government is just totally asleep at the wheel. Um, meanwhile, like the other day, it was a Yahoo News reporter um, was in the was in the White House. He was in the Oval, I think, and he was asking Trump about. Um, you know, why aren't we doing more tests? And he was like, we're doing more testing than anywhere else in the world. And the guy's like, <laughs> well, what about South Korea? And he goes, no, we're doing more testing than South Korea. And the guy goes, what about per capita? And he goes, no, we're still doing it per capita. And he like looks over at Dr. Brooks. He's like, can you school this fool right now? Like, why am I even talking to this guy? Um, and and it, they they want you to think that you're not being taken care of. And look, yes, the measures that were taken are hurting a lot of people. But I, I think not just because he's, you know, my president or whatever the case may be. I think everything was done with the best of intentions. Again, he, he didn't want to shut down the economy. That was the last thing in the world he wanted to do. He did it to protect people. Um, and when when you watch the news, you, you would swear, like, we're not testing anybody. Uh, this is the most contagious thing since, mm-hmm. you know, smallpox. And it, it really, if you look at it, especially, I mean, just go outside, look in your communities right now. Yeah, you probably know a few people are sick. You might even know a few people who died. But this is not this radical, you know, this is not the bubonic plague. This is far from it. And I think um, when you when you see the numbers inflated on the deaths and you see as we do more testing, that this is way more prevalent, way more people got this than we have any idea. There was a study in Santa Clara uh, that, that was done by Stanford. They think that 50 to 85 times more people have it than we've tested right now which would mean that this is well within the range of a normal influenza virus. And and we, we just completely shut down everything, put people out of work for all this sort of stuff. And the media, instead of telling you what's going on, giving you the actual um, perspective on what's going on as opposed to whatever lunacy that they foresee, they are out there openly apologizing for the Chinese government. Major news outlets – ABC, CNN, MSNBC, all of these places are parroting like, oh, China reported no new cases today. How many times do they have to be dishonest yeah. before you realize that nothing they say can be taken for for their word? Of course, if that were the case and everyone thought that way, CNN and ABC and MSNBC wouldn't be in business anymore. So apparently the same fools that believe the people who are always lying are, are taking the word of people that are always lying being reported by people who always lie. I, I just like I can't wrap my head around it anymore. They want us to be China. They want they they see China as the utopia that they want here. They mm-hmm. want to have an all-powerful central government that can do and say whatever they want to say. CNN literally ran a story the other day talking about how China's um, you know oppressive surveillance policies might not be such a bad idea. What? Like, what country are you in? This is America. We don't do that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff here. We could have done that sort of stuff here. I mean, we have the capacity, right? We all know the NSA is listening to us right now, um, you know, that, that, that they could very well violate a litany of our privacy rights and and they could wave a magic wand and say there's externalities in play here people are dying from this virus we need to do x y and z and there's very little we could do about it that's not what we did because that's not what we do here in this country meanwhile media is like oh but china though like they're they're so awesome and it's like 
they have two million people in death camps right now. They have factories that have suicide nets around them in order to prevent people from plunging to their doom voluntarily. Um, th- this is not the utopia that anybody would, would look at and be like, oh, yeah, that's how we need America to be. But our government, um, our dem- the democratic half of our government, the media, Hollywood, the educational system, they all are in lockstep with apologizing for these people and touting how wonderful they are when objectively speaking they're the worst fucking people on earth (laughs) there there is nothing worse than the chinese dictatorship right now kim jong-un is is a close second maybe um but but i mean what they're doing on the scale that they're doing it in china Mm -hmm. is insane literally welded people into their apartments so let's assume that they did slow the spread in the way that the media likes to pretend that they did were you willing to be welded inside of your apartment in order to make that happen? I, I think a few of us would probably take some issue with that. Yeah, and uh, just and just like you were saying, how they have the nets around the buildings, I, I think the number one cause of suicide in China are, 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 is, is leaping. I mean, like, that's what they do. They jump off of buildings. You can basically walk down any street in China and look up and see somebody falling down, man. Fucking nuts, dude. That's what they do there. But I do want to make fun of the media again real quick because I do want to give them a little bit of credit here because the fake news media is very good at turning us all against each other because this whole thing now with the whole people blowing each other under the radar is for, for, for money because it wasn't Cuomo the one who was like, hey, you call this hotline. I'll give you 500 bucks if you see your neighbor having a party that the authorities will be alerted and someone will go to that place and break it up. So now you got people out there policing each other and there was a couple of videos. There was a couple on World Star as a matter of fact. World star where uh, I guess like people were at the park <laughs> with their kids and uh, and like this woman would go harass them as like this other woman. She harassed her, her former students for playing football in a park, like went up to them was like threatening them and hoping they got coronavirus and died. There's just a bunch of weird shit like that where people are now policing each other because they're 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 looking at each other like they've got it. And I was at the store the other day and I have chronic uh, throat clearing where I have to, sometimes I just have to clear my throat repeatedly. And I was doing that in the store. And people were looking at me like I was like, like I had fucking AIDS that just leapt out of my body and went into their pores. It was like the weirdest feeling. They were looking at me like I was a fucking villain. And like they've created this paranoia where now we're turning on each other. We're calling the cops if we see people having parties. We're, if we see more than 10 people in any kind of setting, we're calling the cops. We're just always looking over our shoulders, policing each other. That's a very dangerous precedent to set, man. And I ho- I really hope these motherfuckers thought this thing through. And I don't know what their end goal is. I, I don't know what the payoff is, if, if there is any for these people. And the the payoff is is division and control. And, you know, the more chaos that they can sow, the more likely they are to be able to reap some benefit from it on an, on an authoritative level. Um, you know, like the, the mayor of New York, good old Bill de Blasio sending out that message. Oh, rat on your rat on your fellow New Yorkers and we'll give you a reward. Thank the good Lord that the people of America sent him a fuck ton of dick pics because spam. Spam. I, I, that is, yeah, they just spam the crap out of it. I sent well, not a dick pic, but I sent a, I sent a picture of Gracie Mansion, which is where he lives in New York. And I sent a, I sent, you know, just three words, fuck you de Blasio. Like that said, like, um, this is insane. Um, yeah, the the idea that they would have us turn on one another is, ex- you know, it's exactly what they want. They want us at each other's throats. They want us in a chaotic situation. They want you to look at the people who want to go back to work, who aren't taking this, um, like, you know, who are, who aren't taking this so seriously on on an apocalyptic scale. They want you to look down on them. How dare you dissenters not trust 
you know, the almighty mayor of New York City in, in all of his craziness. Um, you know, they, they, they want you to to be looked at that's the same. I mean, it's the, the, the protesters, the people who aren't, um, you know, wearing hazmat suits to the grocery store, Trump supporters, like all, all of that kind of stuff is it's all just painted in this equally negative light. These tinfoil hat wearing mouth breathing conspiracy backwood rednecks that don't know any better. Uh, they're putting the rest of us in danger when it really I mean, the, the when, when we talk about the media, how many times have they put out stories just on this topic? Right. Let's ignore yeah. the, the previous three years of Russian collusion and Ukrainian uh, quid pro quos or whatever the case may be that all turned out to be sheer and utter nonsense from top to bottom, as we're still finding out more about today with General Flynn. Um, but the they, they want you to now believe the coronavirus stuff when they'll tell you Trump told you to inject you, yourself with bleach, uh, that he told you to eat koi pond cleaner, that he told you to eat light bulbs, that um, that he fired a doctor for having an alternative opinion that uh, he owes a bunch of money to the Bank of China. All of these stories go out there and they just they, they get amplified. And then even if they occasionally admit that they were a little hyperbolic or retract or correct something that gets, you know, for the original story gets thousands of retweets, the retraction gets maybe hundreds of retweets. And so 90 percent of the people that saw the first story still think that's true and still think that's the truth. And they've compounded that with all of the other similar nonsense that they've accumulated over time. And these people just have a different worldview. I mean, the, the folks that are applauding Andrew Cuomo for the good job that he's done and all this sort of stuff clearly have not been paying attention to the job that Andrew Cuomo has been doing, because again, his state has 25% of the debts in this country. And granted, it's New York, it's high traffic, it's condensed. There's a lot of people that travel in and out of there. It was going to have the biggest problem anyway, but you know, like the policy I mentioned before with the with the nursing homes, that that killed people. It didn't put people in harm's way. It killed people. And he's on TV bloviating about how he's doing this great job and Trump isn't where, you know, the experts are saying otherwise, because the experts are saying that he hasn't really stayed. You know, he hasn't veered from their advice at any point during any of this. As Fauci said, do this. He said, OK, that's what we got to do. Let's do it. And uh, it do are the experts right about everything? No, but what would your what would your alternative plan be? Not listen to the experts? Should he should he listen to Alex Jones, who's eyeing up his neighbors for his next meal right now? <laughs> He's a fucking cannibal now. What the fuck is that all about? <laughs> he will eat your ass. Literally, like not eat you. He wants to literally eat your ass. He's an ass eater. But he here, an uh, ass eater. he's an ass man. I got my spoon. <laughs> so this is one of my. My favorite quotes that I've heard. Um, it, this one makes me scratch my head because I wonder what the foresight is of the powers that be that that want to push this agenda. And the quote goes, and I, I don't have it exactly, but it was basically like, if, if if this process can save one life, then this is all worth it. What, what we're doing, basically. And that that makes me wonder, like, did they not know that the economy was going to crash this hard? Did they think everything was just going to be okay? People were going to be able to pay their bills without going to work with a shutdown? I, I, I can't think they are that stupid to feel like saving one life because just, just hearing it and just repeating it over and over again in your head, it doesn't make any sense because if you're saving one life but you're putting a lot of people out in the streets because they can't afford to pay their bills, a lot of companies are going to go under. A lot of people won't have a job to go back to. Suicide rates are going up. Alcoholism is going up. Domestic violence is going up. Child abuse is going up. Is it really worth it to save one life 
Do you think, honestly, Mr. Bellow, in your heart of hearts, do you think we would have been better if we just said, fuck it, let's just deal with it. We're going to keep the economy open, let people get sick, then we'll get over it. We'll, we'll work this thing out as it happens. Because we've gone through so many things. H1N1, we never went through this with the H1N1. We didn't go through this, the flu last year, the flu before that. Oh, this is the biggest flu season ever. Well, then why the fuck didn't we shut down then? Why are we shutting down now? And I feel like it's because November is coming up. And what better way to fuck it all up? Definitely has a lot to do with November, right? There's no doubt about that. That's what the mm-hmm. Democrats have been thinking about since November 2016, basically, is that is that they need to find a way to get this guy out. They tried impeaching him. They tried the emoluments clause. They tried the 25th Amendment. They tried rape allegations. They tried, I mean, like with literally anything and everything, they threw the kitchen sink at this poor man. And he's still riding high, which should tell you a little bit about, you know, where he's at is that. At this point, like, could they even find dirt on him? They haven't unveiled in the last four years. I mean, could they, uh, he's riding into this 2020 election with, with basically a clean slate because the, the, it's all baked into the cake with him. We all know the type of person he is. We all know he's running around grabbing women by the pussy, and then you know he likes yeah. fast cars and well done steaks with ketchup, and he, all of his flaws are out there. Like we we know everything about the guy, but he is in a lot of ways a, a perfect reflection of Americana. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of like the, he's sort of like that, that, that revealing, you know, the mirror that truly reveals your, your true self for America in a, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. He's loud, he's brash, you know, he's hated by foreigners. He's <laughs> like, there's, yeah. there's all these, there's all these things about him that in a way he's like a really weird reflection of us. But as far as the economy goes, I, I still think kind of, like I said before, I think we, we're at a wait and see mostly because. Um, let me give you kind of like the two extreme examples. So you have Sweden on one end that did no lockdown. They kept their economy open. They told old people and immunocompromised people to stay home as best they possibly could. They quarantined, go figure, the sick, which is generally how quarantining goes, as opposed to what we've done where we have quarantined everybody for seemingly no reason. And and it's a very loose quarantine because like we've talked about, they could go to pot shops and they could go to grocery stores and they could go to liquor stores and uh, they could go to work if they're considered essential, which is a pretty broad brush. Um, so they might in Sweden have accumulated a herd immunity, which means that if there is going to be a second flare of this in the fall, they might not see it or at least certainly not see it as strongly. Whereas we have essentially weakened our immune systems by staying inside and staying away from other people. And if this comes back, there is a possibility between uh, the virus mutating, it being flu season, allergy season, and all of our immune systems being somewhat compromised that it could come back even stronger in the fall, which is obviously the worst case scenario. And we hope that that doesn't end up being uh, what happens. But if, if that is the case and it comes back super strong in the fall, then we probably did the wrong thing. Um, but that said, Sweden, uh, and I'll give you kind of the, the other end of the spectrum too, which is South Korea, who basically locked down everything, started testing everybody they could get their hands on and including, um, you know, basically tracking people's cell phone data in order to find out who had it when they were, were certain places and essentially doxed their own citizens to other citizens saying, like, if you were in this market, this woman, you know, this age, this height, whatever has been, uh, diagnosed with coronavirus, so you should probably go get tested yourself or self-quarantine or whatever the case may be. So they were like the, the, the extreme men. Sweden was on the most casual end. I think we're a, probably a decent shot in the middle there. So if, uh, in Sweden's case, if there is no second surge in the fall, 
they made the wrong bet. They basically let a bunch of people die that didn't have to die in anticipation of a second wave that never came. So uh, it, it is kind of just way too early to really tell whether or not uh, we've done the right thing here. But I, again, I think that all of the things that have been done have been done with the best intentions um, of, of the American people, certainly from the federal government's aspect of things, with the exception of some of those stupid things that were slipped into the CARES Act legislation, like giving money to the Kennedy Center or giving extra unemployment money and that kind of stuff. That's all thrown in there as political pork, essentially, to try to win favor with voters. And uh, it's it's so funny to me that even in a time where it is absolutely clear that there is only one real issue that we need to be talking about, and that's this coronavirus and its impact on human life and on the economy, we still cannot seem to get a clean bill through Congress that only addresses that single thing. Everything's got to be laden with all of these bonuses and money for this and money for that mm-hmm. and money for LGBT financial education. And like, great, these things are these things are fine. Like if you want to pass legislation on any other time. But right now, everybody's focused on this issue. The legislation that comes that that's coming down should only address this issue. And there's only one party that's holding things up for the purposes of laying down all this extra crap that no one really thinks we actually need, that the Republicans are just going to go along with because if they don't, then they're painted as the ones who are obstructing the, the legislation from going through that are holding up aid to the American people. And they know that the media will 100% paint them as the bad guys. So they're left with kind of having to cater to some of these ridiculous demands by Democrats. Now, like we were talking about before, the states that were in bad financial situation to begin with, now they're upset that Trump is saying that you might actually have to God forbid, enforce our actual immigration laws if you want to get federal aid, because, you know, these places are sanctuary cities. They got all these people roaming around these cities that are very that could very well be spreading the virus that have no business being here in the first place. They came into the country illegally and they're able to shelter in place in these states because the states aren't turning them over to the feds. So when he says you have to follow the law if you want money, now they're screaming quid pro quo about that, too because they don't understand how policy works. And to get back to your original point about the one life, look, there, there's a decision made every minute in Washington, D.C. that probably cost somebody their life. It, it's just the, the reality of the situation is that sometimes for the greater good, for the good of the 90 plus percent of us, uh, unfortunately, some decisions are made that affect negatively the you know one that the 10 or less percent of us it happens all the time and the idea that saving one life is worth all of the 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 trauma and the the stress and the financial hardship that we've caused so many people it's insane it's ridiculous it's political correctness and virtue signaling becoming policy it's no longer just a bumper sticker it's now actual law and that ain't getting any better if Trump loses in 2020. It's not. It's going to get a whole lot worse. I've been saying this for a while, is that you know all these people that are in the streets and kicking and screaming and pussy hats and black masks and all this sort of stuff, all of that's just noise right now. If he loses, that becomes policy. That's terrifying. I don't want these people running anything. They can't run oh. their own lives. They're sitting at home grifting on unemployment right now, and they're probably doing better than they've ever done, like my friend. So it's, it's yep. not that big. Now, did, did you see the bill that they were actually considering passing? And I don't know if it's still in consideration or not, so you'll probably know more about this than me. But they were talking about giving free housing and food to every American. So free housing and food. 
Anything extra, you you would pay for it out of your own pocket. What the fuck is that all about? Does my mortgage just get forgiven and they give me free food? And oh, I just... no, you'll, you'll have to continue to pay your mortgage, but you'll also have to pay higher taxes to provide housing and food for the people that can't already provide themselves oh, with housing and food. I mean, that. that's, I mean, that's how it works with even the, with the health insurance, right? It's like, oh, it's free health insurance unless you're able to afford it, in which case you're now paying for yours and everybody else's. And same goes with, you know, all that. I mean, it, it, all taxes in general are absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. Well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the idea that uh, that we should just be giving out free – it's the same thing with, the with like, let's say the um, – what is it? The $15 minimum wage, right? Sounds great in theory until you think about the people who are currently making $15. Are they going to get increases? I highly doubt it. Actually, a lot of them are probably going to get laid off now because now we have to pay a bunch of people that aren't worthy of $15 an hour, $15 an hour. And uh, you're not – if you're already – you already reached that level of success for lack of a better term – um, you now re- reap no benefit from it. As a matter of fact, you're going to be hurt by it. You're going to be impoverished. The same goes with this. If you were able to afford a house or an apartment before, your life isn't getting any better. But we're making, we're now paying for the lives of other people. And look, I'm not adverse to charity and to helping those in need. Like I, I think that's a great thing. I think that yep. should be done privately. I don't think that the federal government's involvement in anything ever makes it m- smoother. Never mind. Um, just, just, I mean, I always like to look at a, a corruption aside with the government, the administrative cost of getting things done through the government is, is exponentially higher than it would ever be in a private sector because the private sector could pay somebody $10 an hour to crank out paperwork and the government, they're making 15, they get four weeks vacation, they get a pension, they get health care. they get, I mean, that, that's, that's just, and, and they always seem to overstaff. The government's never understaffed. We always have way too many people. Uh, that are that are collecting paychecks. I have a few friends who work for uh, for the, for a variety of different parts of the government, and I, I love them to death. But they they pretty much just have a, a cakewalk of a life. Um, they they you know they just got to breeze through. They get very little done. They're they're never in the in the office after noon on a Friday during the summer. Uh, you know, like they 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 have really really good lives. And and admittedly, to some extent, we need our government. So I'm happy for those people being there and doing what they do. But at the same time, the government is always bloated and always has way more people in the mix than than are absolutely necessary because of the regulations, the red tape, the all the different rules and guidelines and the bureaucracies and the offices that need assistance and secretaries and they need assistance and secretaries. It gets out of hand. If there's any, you know, any industry, I'd like to see a massive job loss in it would be government. Um, and, and maybe maybe that'll be on the other side of, of 2020 Trump, who's been touting his unemployment numbers, can get a few people unemployed by eliminating a lot of government positions. I think that would be very nice. But that's not likely to happen anytime soon to be to be realistic about it, I guess. Well, well the real scary thing about this is, is like, you know, they can really do this whenever they want. Do you think that this was a trial for something bigger? or maybe more of these in the future. Do you think this was just them seeing how far they could push us and seeing what they can get out of it? Because it seems like the Democrats are trying to sneak in a lot of their things. They were trying to get in before that were, that weren't going through. And now with this pandemic going through, it seems like they're trying to push a lot of their agendas now because they can easily slide them in like universal income and things like that. And even this whole, you know, free housing and food and all this other bullshit is basically keeping people under their thumbs a lot of people like being taken care of out there. There's there's a lot of lazy human beings. 
maybe this is their way of turning people that weren't lazy into lazy people by giving them all this money. Hey, I'm making 900 bucks a week. Why the fuck do I want to go back to work? I like drinking beer at home all day long and playing video games and doing other shit. Maybe that's the mindset that they're trying to create in some of these people. Is that something, or maybe I'm just listening to the conspiracy horsemen too much. You think this is a trial to reprogram America? For sure. There's a, this, this is a, a beta test in a lot of ways, because I think, again, if a Democrat ends up in office uh, or, God forbid, they take the House um, or something along those lines, I think we'll see a lot more of this because they they reap all the benefits of this. They get they, they get to bash the Republicans more. They get to bash Trump more. They get to seize power more. They get to give out more money and make you more dependent on the government. All of these things are, are very much things that they like. But I also think in a lot of ways this is – um, it's a last stitch effort. You know, it's not necessarily plan A. I think we're at about plan Z. We talked about all the different things they've tried to do to oust Trump up to this point. I think they saw this as an opportunity. Um, you know, and they, I say they, it's not like, you know, like the, the Illuminati or whatever the hell it is. These, these people are right in front of your face. They're the government, they're the media, they're the celebrities, the blue check marks on Twitter, the college professors, the supposed experts and academics and all that kind of stuff these these people all have an agenda they all want you to be more and more reliant on them sure enough um so yeah i think i think in a lot of ways that the democrats are kind of spreading their wings a little bit to see how much they could get away with given the circumstances but then they also created the circumstances by um by, by having all this fake outrage and all this doomsday sort of scenario uh you know type coverage of the whole thing and uh, and obviously it's you know we talked about before this is all geared towards November they want him out under no circumstances will they allow him to stay in office and uh, so much so that they've put in an even older even whiter not quite as rich but definitely more sleepy candidate to try to to beat him <laughs> and and absolutely no one thinks Joe Biden would be a good president anybody telling you that 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 they think that that's the case is lying to themselves they're lying to you this motherfucker mm -hmm. falls asleep in the middle of reading his notes on live television like all the time he sniffs children mm -hmm. he likes kids jumping in his lap he probably raped that girl back in 1993 all right maybe that's not the case uh but uh, I, I think that story deserves a lot more note than it's getting though being that yeah. you know brett kavanaugh was a gang rapist based on the word of one clearly psychotic woman who the was making everything. shit up as she went along yeah Every every bit of the information that she came forward with um, was she anyone she said that could corroborate the information. This is Dr. Blasey Ford. Um, everyone that she said could corroborate her story said, I have no idea what she's talking about. Julie Swetnick said that he was running gang rape parties, which for some yeah. reason she was frequenting. As if you go back to the gang rape party, like, oh, yeah, went to this really great gang rape party last week. Can't wait to go again this Friday. Uh, why would you go to more than one of those things? And this woman was so insane and so fitting of the Democrat narrative that her lawyer, a.k.a. creepy porn, porn lawyer, Michael Avenatti, was actually touted by fools on CNN as a potential presidential nominee. That man, by the way, was in jail for extorting a company that also reaps the benefits of child labor in China and Nike. And by the time the presidential election actually rolled around. So this is the delusional psychotic world that these people live in is that the lawyer of the woman who frequented gang rape parties supposedly was possibly a presidential nominee and Tara Reed, whose mother legitimately called Larry King on CNN back in the nineties contemporaneously contemporaneously reporting her allegations against Biden at the time not only is that footage out there 
but it was removed by Google in the Google Play Store. If you go back through all the Larry King libraries, only one episode is missing. And sure enough, it's the one where Tara Reid's mother calls in to talk about her daughter's allegations against Joe Biden. And it's not specifically mentioned that it's her, but she remembered her mother calling Larry King back in the 90s. And sure enough, somebody found that footage. So that in and of itself is more corroborating evidence than any of the Trump accusers or Kavanaugh accusers have had up to this point, And yet you hear nothing about that story. Well, I wonder why. It's, it's almost like Believe All Women has an asterisk next to it instead of a hashtag. And that asterisk says, unless, of course, they're saying something bad about a Democrat. Oh, man, you're getting me going now because I had quite a few Joe Biden topics to talk about here. But man, Ooh, all right, good. Were there were there any retractions or any apologies to Kavanaugh? I don't remember. I believe, seeing- I believe everybody but Blasey Ford has come forward in some capacity and said that they basically weren't being entirely truthful. I think mostly because okay. they were facing charges um, that they kind of had to come clean and publicly apologize. Julie Swetnick was one of those people. Definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's also been how many people have suggested that the you know, Trump has sexually assaulted them and, and very little of that has panned out either. I think mm-hmm. there was like nine women going into the 2016 election and all those stories just completely disappeared. Not because the media doesn't want to cover them, by the way. The media would love nothing more than to amplify all of those voices. But they realized pretty quickly that those stories were full of shit. And then um, also the notion that the grab him by the pussy comment was an admittance of doing the very thing that Joe Biden may have done to Tara Reid is sort of hilarious. I think that was like Politico had an article yesterday. It was like Trump bragged about doing what Tara Reid accused Biden of. Uh, that's that's a slight skewing of the details there. But, you know, let Politico be Politico, I guess. Yeah. See, man, like I warned you before we did this podcast that these things, the ones that I do here, the solo podcast I do without the wife and I have guests come on, they kind of go all over the place and they tend to go long. I mean, I have a lot of shit I want to talk to you about because you have a very good insight on everything pretty much. And and I appreciate you coming on today. But before we get to Joe Biden stuff, because I'm going to save that for later, because I have so much fun making fun of Biden. I just love talking about Joe Biden. I did want to ask you your opinion on um, criminals being let out because a lot of rapists are being let out for apparently no reason. You did a crime. You deserve to be in jail. If you get coronavirus and die, then, hey, you know what? You did a fucking crime unless you're a pot dealer or like you might have gotten busted with one gram of pot and you're in jail for a year. Maybe they should be let out. But if you're a violent rapist. You should be stuck in there. And if you get it, then so be it, because I'm not letting you out the rape again. And a lot of these people that got released are doing the same crimes again. And they are also threatening. And in New York, they basically said, if you get caught doing so and so and, you know, being in these big crowds of people, we have the right to arrest you. So basically, they're clearing out violent criminals to put in people that are just being together and just not quarantining. Doesn't that just sound fucking weird? Oh, it sounds ridiculous. And again, this is a lot of Democrats do, doing these things. You don't see a lot of Republican states letting people out of jail. Um, no, you see, exactly. and, and, and this is a thing that they were talking about long before coronavirus. There's a litany of, of uh, campaigns and, uh, and for that matter, political figures that were talking about drastically reducing the prison population. I think it was uh, one of the guys in New York, de Blasio or Cuomo, they wanted 50% of the prison population to be released into society anyway, before the virus, having no adverse health effects. They just didn't think these people belonged in jail anymore. Um, and they were 
you know, targeted for, you know, racial or whatever reasons. I'm sure they have some sort of virtue signal that it's attached to. Um, but they they wanted people out of jail. And now they now they seize the opportunity with this chaos from the virus. Oh, well, we can't have these people in jail. They might get coronavirus. Well, isn't that like the ultimate incentive to not do crime because you might end up in jail during a pandemic? I mean, to, to me, that adds to the reasons why they should be in there. And yeah, I'm with you, man. Like these, uh, uh, could some of these people be innocent or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Some some people are going to be harmed in this. But you know who's innocent? The uh, the the woman who's living free in society and is now assaulted by a criminal who was just let out of jail, a, a rapist. There was a guy in New York. He was a pedophile. He was released from jail, and he was already brought back in after you know committing some sort of sex crime. I didn't get into the details on it. Yeah, it was it was immediate. It, it, yeah, it was almost yeah, exactly, and it, and it, it just like assume, it's almost like he's a criminal, and he doesn't have any respect for you know other people's rights, and uh, and that he was gonna just you know what what was the plan there? It's like oh maybe because we let him go, he'll be a good guy now. Like what? <laughs> Meanwhile, they're arresting the mothers. Yeah, now the and, well, that's what and, and, and De Blasio and and Cuomo were, were screaming like, you know, we're ashamed of these people. Like these people were criminals. A lot of them violent criminals. At that, like you don't just end up in jail a lot of the time for pot charges and stuff like that. You usually did something fairly substantial if you're locked up in a cell somewhere. Um, but you know, then you got uh, oh man, where was I going from there? Uh, oh, then you have you know police arresting mothers for playing in the park with their kids and fathers in front of their six-year-olds for playing catch at a social distance in a park that's not technically closed um mm -hmm. you know they'll put regular law-abiding citizens in jail while releasing violent criminals and, and depraved sexual predators it, it is bizarre world like there's no again it's one of those situations where there's no logical explanation for this so what is the explanation and unfortunately you have to assume it's nefarious what about the drones man did you hear about the drones that they're going to be sending out there to be spying on people and shit i did and that's probably why a lot of these places shut down the gun stores because i mean if i knew there were drones just i mean there were there were talking drones mm -hmm. in elizabeth new jersey it wasn't that far from me um, if that bring me home elizabeth uh, <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> maybe uh maybe you know if i if i don't own a gun i, I plan to at some point in the not too distant future but yeah I, if there were drones flying around my town um i'd probably go buy a 12 gauge and see if i could pick one out of the sky like i got nothing better to do <laughs> like why wouldn't i try to do that um so yeah that that that, that is just creepy i mean that's it's that scary. is john carpenter's they live like that that is the, the every police state 1984 uh, that that's going even above and beyond what South Korea and even sometimes China do to their citizens to have drones. I even have in my town, it's, Great. it's sort of silly. They just park cop cars randomly places. There's no one in them. They They're do that parks. too. Yeah. They're like speed traps. Basically. Yeah. It's like, you know, slow down and yeah, all the locals know. Exactly. It's like, it's for the passers through. Cause all the locals figured out after like day one that it's like, Oh yeah, there's no one actually sitting in that car. Um, and speed, man, I'm not going to lie. I have taken advantage a little bit. Uh, traffic laws are, uh, negotiable as far as I'm concerned in the, in a national emergency. So I've been making some rights on red. I wouldn't otherwise be able to make and, uh, going a little <laughs> faster than I otherwise would go. Um, and, and unfortunately I almost became the victim of some idiot running a red light the other day. So I should probably be a little bit more cautious of this, but, uh, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's a very, very strange scenario when we have supposedly 
you know, the freest country in the history of ever uh, being surveilled by drones. Immediately, we we flipped from that because can you imagine a state where those drones have like a laser on them or like handcuffs where they can come down and physically like arrest you? Can you imagine some shit like that happening where like we have to watch out for eyes in the sky now? Uncle Sam telling us when we can and can't work, we're essential and non-essential. I don't like that phrase non-essential. It demeans you like, hey, I'm providing a service to someone for something that I do that I get paid for. You take that away from me, it pisses me off. And it reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode. I was talking to Billy Ray Valentine about this. There's, And I don't know if you're a Twilight Zone fan, but me and him are big marks about it. So we both immediately knew what the other one was talking about. There's an episode where they said, you're obsolete. And there was basically this panel of, 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 of jurors. One guy was at the end of the table, played by Burgess Meredith, who was uh, Mickey from Rocky back in the day. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and there's like a high chancellor, and he's like reading out these reasons why this guy doesn't fit in with society, why he's obsolete, a.k.a. non-essential. At the end of the episode, they basically said he's non-essential, and they sent him to death. And some other shit happened. But basically, that's the part that I wanted to fit into the story here and get your opinion. Do you see us going that way eventually? Or do you think we're going to nip this in the bud and get back to the way things used to be? Oh, I think this is going to cause a violent swing the other way. I, I think in their in their Trump derangement syndrome, the left has gone way too far. Um, yeah. And currently, like our kids generation is going to be the most conservative generation since the since, you know, like the, the golden age or the golden era, you know, like whatever it was. Um, there, there's going to be so many kids that have now seen pandemics. They've seen, you know, uh, they, they were they were fear mongered about a potential World War Three earlier in the year. They've seen a, a totally and wholly complicit media bowing to an evil communist dictatorship. They've seen the, the you know, the surveillance tactics and the censorship on social media. Uh, these these folks are going to be loud and proud conservatives when they get older uh, as a result of it. So they've definitely shot themselves in the foot uh, as far as that goes. But they think, you know, they're, they're not thinking ahead. They need to get rid of Trump at all costs. And um, they are they are you know willing to basically bite off their nose to spite their face in order to try to get him out. Uh, that said, as far as the non-essential things, now I don't know about you, nerd, but I'm old enough to remember when the government was shut down, remember when evil orange man shut down the government because he didn't want to sign yeah. some sort of budget? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of government employees that were laid off because they were considered non-essential. And, and when they were bitching about it on social media, people like myself would step in and say, dude, your job is non-essential. Like, you shouldn't even fucking have it to begin with. Please don't cry to me about the paycheck that you're not getting right now. Because, and Which, by the way, they got anyway because while exactly. they were sent home, they still ended up getting all the back pay. Um, but I remember that being an incredibly offensive term at the time is that these government employees are non-essential, which wink, wink, nod, nod, most of them are. Um, mm. But this whole thing, uh, now that non-essential is like a – you know, it's just something that we bandy about. Oh, you're non-essential. Like you're, you're, you know, people who work in grocery stores and in pet stores and people who work in drive-through fast food restaurants. Like those people are essential. You're not even there. And you know, not to poo-poo any of those people. I know many of those fine folks. And you know, I, I, you know, so a few important people in my life who reside within that group. But for those of you who are out of work right now, like they want you to feel less than. That's what they want you to feel like. They want you to feel like you're not important or that that society doesn't find you important enough because they want you to either 
A, go to the liquor store and drown your sorrows. B, go out and, and protest and make a fool of yourself so that they can magnify that and blame Trump for it. They want you to be so desperate that you consume household chemicals and hopes that you won't be getting this virus so that you can wear that as some sort of badge of honor to be able to get back out into the world and work again. They want you desperate. They want you scared. They want you dependent. And it, it would be hard-pressed for me to, to anybody who's watching the, the media, the 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 lunatics on Twitter, the celebrities, the the professors and the academics, like they all are pointing you in that direction. They all want you to be more dependent on them. They want you to be more, um, you know, less less independent. They don't care about the individual. They or this is why they believe in things like socialism and communism and not things like individual liberties. Uh, they want they'd rather err on the side of censorship than on that side of freedom. They'd rather err on the side of government lockdowns to protect one life as opposed to actually looking at it and realizing that, yeah, maybe that one life is worth losing if it's going to save tens of thousands of other lives. But no, no, not one life. Because again, virtue signaling and political correctness has now just become policy. Yeah, that's perfectly said, man. And uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to throw in there, just previous topics that we talked about here today and we went over a lot man and we still got more to go because i got i got a lot of shit i want to talk to you about man but sure. i kind of want to get back and bash the media a little bit more sure because every day all you see at the top of any news website you go to are the coronavirus infected the coronavirus deaths whatever happened to like heart attacks obesity cancer any other form of death, it's like we're only focusing on the coronavirus because these other deaths will probably rival what the coronavirus is doing every single day because we know the smart people know are the people that are, are sort of informed like myself. Like I'm, I'm very little informed. You're a smart person. Know like what the death rates actually are because it's like you know they're inflated because the, the truth is out there. The facts are out there. Why are they hiding these other deaths? Because you can go to the store right now and buy 10 pounds of sugar. And put it in all your food and be okay. You could buy Kool-Aid, you could buy soda, you could buy cigarettes, you could buy liquor. But for some reason, those really high causes of death don't matter to them. Just this coronavirus. And they shut us down because of this. It's, it's so fucking ridiculous, man. So I, I guess my question to you was like, why are they only focusing on corona? And do you see them ever putting any sort of emphasis on, on other causes of death? Like maybe they, they, they ban cigarette sales. Maybe they ban alcohol, which will never happen because they make too much money off it with, you know, how much people buy it. But I just want to kind of get your, your intelligent thoughts on this because obesity is the number one killer of all human beings. And they don't really give a shit about that because I can go to a store and buy a, a, a package of, uh, of, of sugar for a dollar, but it costs me three dollars to buy something keto. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is, this yeah I totally do. No, you're right. And, and it's what happened to one life, right? One life is worth saving. Yeah. So, um, you know, 40, what, what is it? You know, like oh, hundreds of thousands of people die from obesity, from heart disease, from lung cancer. We don't take cigarettes away. We don't take Twinkies away. We don't take Kool-Aid away. We just, you know, we just resume life. But I thought one life, if we could save one life. We can get rid of all those things tomorrow and we could save those lives. So it's yeah, it's a lot of they're using this circumstance because as uh, as Trump likes to call it, it's the invisible enemy. It's 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 an unknown. It's ambiguous. Even the experts seem to be contradicting one another all the time about the uh, the R not, I guess, the infection rate or the death rate or the, the severity of the symptoms and all that different sort of stuff. So um, they're using they're using kind of the confusion that naturally exists with something new. And they're using that that ability to 
uh, harp on it, but it, you know, it, it's sort of funny. And I talked about this kind of in the early goings uh, to a certain extent um, on on one podcast or another. But it's like, yeah, we get we get we, there. There are at least four or five causes of death out there that are going to be far greater on an annual basis than this coronavirus is, and we just allow those every year. Cancer, you know, let's take away all the cell phones, all the microwaves, all the 4G towers, and we can get rid of all cancer too if we if we really wanted to. We can. Um, you know, not for, not for nothing. In the Great Depression, in a time where people were far less chemically altered by drugs and alcohol and, and you know, all that sort of stuff the way that we are now, um, 40,000 people killed themselves during the Great Depression. That's Ooh. enough people. That's enough people for them to want to take away every gun from everybody. But it's apparently not enough for them to worry about the economic effects of shutting down the greatest economy in the history of the world. And by the way, the 40,000 number as far as the gun deaths go every year is largely strewed like at least two-thirds of those are, are suicides every year so you're really talking about less than twenty thousand. but that doesn't stop them from from screaming about the forty thousand people who die from guns every year but they're more than willing to let what would inevitably be more than forty thousand deaths this time around if we saw a great depression via suicide then that's fine we got to stop these people from dying from this disease even though we we don't really know how many people have died from this damn thing because like you were saying they're fudging the numbers influenza deaths are down cancer deaths are down heart disease deaths are down because they're labeling all of these as covid deaths exactly and and they want the money and they want the the ability to say look you know trump let blank amount of people die that's that's the ultimate narrative they had a woman the other day uh what's her name olivia nuzzi i want to say she was at the press briefing i think she's a cnn uh, correspondent and she was asking you know, should a president get reelected if he lets the same amount of people die that died in Vietnam or whatever it was? And he's like, to, to his credit, Trump actually didn't take all the credit for this. He said, look, like we 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 had a lot of numbers that were coming in that were saying two million people could die, a million people could die. Then when those numbers adjusted, Fauci said, you know, somewhere close to a quarter of a million people could die, somewhere between 100,000 and 250,000. We're not even close to that. And that's not because of him or the experts, it's really because the American people have taken it upon themselves to try to, you know, help their fellow man to a certain extent and stay away from one another and wash your hands and wear your masks and all that. And he he said, like, yeah, like, I mean, a lot of people have died and it's unfortunate. But really, when you look at it, the number of people that could have or would have died had we not done X, Y and Z is way greater than we did this. So it's not like anything we've ever seen before. It's not like H1N1. It's not, you know, the, the closest thing it's it's ever been to historically, I guess, would be the Spanish flu, which caused the Great Depression in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it's certainly being treated that way, but it is an invisible enemy. It's not like we it's not like, you know, it's like terrorism. It's we don't know where it is and, and, and how to fight it necessarily all the time. But we've got to do what we can do to do that. Um, you were uh, you were talking about something else before. Now, I wanted to get back to it. And now now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Dude, I draw blanks all the time, man. The thing is, when you get start getting old, your memory just gets shot. And if you don't remember what I said, because I sure as hell don't, I I, oh, I, I did have something oh, else for you. Oh, I do ahead. remember. I'm sorry. You were talking about whether or not they will do this with another situation. Uh, oh, yeah. Two yeah. two two big ones that I can foresee: uh, climate change. If if the Democrats should, God forbid, ever get in power again, um, they they will use climate change as an excuse to do something like this again i even saw an article where or maybe it was a tweet from some left-wing lunatic who was talking about you know 
if we kept these lockdowns going at this rate for the next 10 years, we'll finally reach the Paris Climate Accord goals of reducing, you know, the geothermic, you know, temperature or whatever the hell it is, um, which which should probably tell you from the onset just how ridiculous those goals were. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just throwing that out there, but they will definitely use that. We've been hearing that language for years. It's a global threat. It's the big enemy. It's, you know, it's, it's imminent. It's going to be 12 years till the world ends, 11 years till the world ends. Uh, They're going to use that as a means of seizing power and doing something similar to this. And also... Don't know if you notice before before you go to your next spot. I because like forget things really fast. Go ahead. So just like you were saying though, like if you haven't noticed to the people out there listening, they are posting pictures of animals walking the streets, empty streets that they normally wouldn't do. They're pushing that agenda. They're talking about how clear the air is in LA and how much better the economy is. Oh, you can see the stars at night. My wife and I were watching CNN the other day, and some dude who's like a stargazer was like, oh, I've never seen the star so clear before, and how great this is, and people should go outside and do this. They, they are pushing that agenda, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there and uh, pass it back to you so you can finish your thoughts. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, they've been they've been giving us doomsday scenarios about climate since like the 60s, and, it, and it, none of them ever come true. There's a book out there, I think it's called Apocalypse Now. Uh, yep. It's kind of sort of like I think it's done like a kid's book almost in a way, but it's like all of these stories that were these apocalyptic scenarios that were going to result from climate change that never came true so much so that the author made up the word apocalypse because apocalypses seems rather ridiculous because there's just one apocalypse, right? Like I mean, that's it. You know, you don't need a second one. Um, but yeah, sure enough, they've had all these examples. But the other thing that I think if uh, climate change doesn't work, you may have noticed that the Pentagon this week admitted that UFOs exist. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a little something in, uh, in, in the conspiracy realm. I believe it's called Project Bluebeam, uh, which is basically the idea that governments and intelligence communities and military apparati will, uh, apparatuses will um, will inevitably use an alien threat as a means to potentially seize power because it's another one of those things that no one country can really handle it, uh, which means that we're going to need to lean more heavily on things like the EU, NATO, the UN, all of these global entities because that's really what these people are at the end of the day is they're globalists. They want to have a one-world government. They want to have power as centralized as it possibly can be. So what's better than being the king of a country? being king of the world so you know you want to try to you want to get that to to be you want to get the power removed from the everyday citizen as far as you possibly can rather than a guy uh rather than a rather orange man making decisions for us here in dc it would be a board of evil cryptic bureaucrats in helsinki somewhere making a decision for us knowing nothing about our day-to-day lives and frankly not caring that's why they have that power in the first place is so that they can rule all of us. So, um, yeah, I think climate change and, uh, in, 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 uh, what is it? Extraterrestrial life are definitely two things that they will use moving forward as possible threats on humanity, which would ultimately lead to them having, having the ability to do the power grabs that they desperately want to do anyway. You know, what the funny thing is about the aliens. And I was talking about this with someone else the other day in like a private conversation was, Imagine if these aliens, because in every movie that we've ever watched from Independence Day to fucking Aliens and all these other movies, there are these big, powerful creatures, much smarter than us. Whatever happens if they come here and they're fucking dumbasses and they're like, hey, man, can you help me fucking change this light bulb in my uh, UFO ship? <laughs> like, seriously, no one ever, ever explores that possibility. 
Like maybe they're dumb as fuck and they come to us because they need help. They need help. Maybe we're just better than everybody else. Like why can't we ever explore that one pot? I've never seen one alien movie where these people or aliens or extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them, are, are, are less than humans. They really undersell us. They really do. Don't, don't you think? I think so. I, I think the, the assumption there is always if they can travel to us, they must be smarter than we are. You know, like that. It, and it yeah. could be something as simple as, you know, like a certain period. And maybe maybe they just have an element on their planet that enables them to mm-hmm. come up with interstellar travel. You know, maybe it's just something really simple like that. And, and the rest of the way they are every bit as dumb as, as your average person is here. Um, I would love to see a movie like that where like, you know, maybe, and, and maybe that's happened, you know, maybe, maybe somebody's accidentally fallen through a wormhole somewhere and they've ended up here and the government scooped them up before we ever got a chance to, to figure out what their situation is. But yeah, it always is. It's ominous, right? I mean, we, they talk about it you know, on the horseman and on the infinite fringe all the time. The, the predictive programming of it all is that the aliens are always a threat. They always come here mm-hmm. hostile and, you know. They always uh, they and sure enough, who bails us out? Yeah. Big the G baby. The government comes right in. They're like, yep, we're gonna rally the military. We're gonna work yeah. with all the other world governments. We're gonna come up with a council of some sort. It's exactly what I just yeah. described before. It's 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 a means of 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 you know creating a power vacuum for a mm-hmm. threat that frankly might not exist. I mean, all of us that that think alien life might be out there, or that UFOs are real, or whatever it is. Those videos that are released by the Pentagon are encouraging. Like, all right, that's great, but cool. we don't know who's in those. There could be other governments that could be making yeah. those. Those, um, it, it could be us, and we could just be releasing it for the purposes of potentially fear mongering down the line. There's so, no, and, until so we, much fear. Yeah, so much fear, man. It sells, unfortunately. You know, like if the media got on there every day, to their credit, if they got on there every day and said everything was rainbows and sunshine, people would stop watching it. Um, because there's nothing I don't need to see. There's no doom and gloom I need to be worried about right now. It's just, um, it's, everything's fine. Okay. Well then what am I watching this for? You know, unfortunately the, the stories about the, the stabbings in Queens and the stories about the, uh, you know, the Florida man and whatever it is, those, those are like those teasers that hit right before commercial break. And you're like, well, I got to stay tuned and see how that. Yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense. But, um, imagine. Dude, imagine this, right? Because I know you're a big comic book fan. Yeah. So imagine like these aliens, right? Like they don't have a UFO because they're not smart enough to be able to build one, but they can fly and they can breathe in space and they can go anywhere they want. So they fly to Earth with fucking slingshots in their hands and they show up and they're like, we're going to take over this planet. And they're like, wait a second. We thought you guys were going to come here with lasers and these bombs and all sort of shit. That's all I wanted. That's all I want. It's just one movie that gives the USA some respect. Like, hey, maybe we're better than these other people because we've proven to evolve past all these other, you know, creatures. And like, supposedly we came from monkeys and other people will say the conspiracy people will say we came from, you know, the uh, ocean and shit like that. It depends on who you subscribe to and what you believe in. So what what about that, man? That, that That would just be pretty cool. And if any directors out there make this movie and listen to this podcast, I would like both of us, Andrew Bello and I, to get 50 50 credit. And just give us a little something, something because you know I, I'm not working because I'm not essential. I can tell you that that my attachment to that project will mean it will never see the light of day. So take 100 <laughs> percent on it. Um, but the 
the problem with that movie is is that Hollywood has its agendas, and uh, the NRA taking down the uh, alien invasion is not going to fit that agenda. So true. <laughs> you know, true. they all show up with slingshots, and all of a sudden Dana Lash is out there with the fucking M4 just mowing them down, Slow and the movie's away. over. Uh, you know that that's that that doesn't help a lot of agendas out there and yeah i mean there's a certain element of maybe there is alien life out there and they're not coming here because we have guns <laughs> we have lots of guns uh especially here in america so uh that would be i mean it'd be a movie i'd love to see it'd be a movie i'd love to be a part of of, of working on that would be really cool uh but uh, i don't i don't foresee the uh that that particular angle ever making it into cinema now, let me ask you this question, too, um, because this is something that I was thinking out loud. I don't know where this whole six-foot distancing thing came from, but I feel like standing in line is counterproductive because you're standing outside in a line with a lot of people that are probably coughing and sneezing and doing other weird shit. Do you feel – because in Walmart, when I go through a Walmart with my wife my kids, we're always flowing. We're always going through. We're always moving. We're not stopping. If you're standing still in a line outside of a store waiting for people to be done shopping, do you think it's more destructive to be standing in that line or to be inside the store with just people just being unleashed? Like, hey, just fucking do it. Just go in the store immediately. No more, you know, we're not going to allow a certain amount of people in there. I just feel like it's it's a better idea to let people all just go in the store whenever and just reopen things as usual. But just make sure that they have those guidelines in place. Like, hey, don't forget this thing is contagious. Put your mask on. Wear gloves if you have them. Use uh, hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Just be mindful. I just feel like standing in line is counterproductive. And you can't hide from germs, dude. Like, anywhere you go, you touch your keyboard. How many fucking germs are on your keyboard right now? You you fucking sit in your toilet. You flush your toilet seat. You grab a door handle. You do anything in life. There's germs everywhere. Like, they're fucking everywhere. You can't avoid them. You're always going to get sick from something. So that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. Is like, do you think we should do the slow opening that they're trying to do now, or do you think we should say fuck it and just let the floodgates open? Yeah, I think uh, I would probably err more on the side of letting the floodgates open. But to um, to your point about the lines outside, like, yeah, while as as I mentioned before, like my two grocery stores nearby, one of them has a line to get in, and the other one doesn't. So I, out of convenience, I'm going to the to the second of the two. But if you're standing out outside in a line. There's actually a lot of evidence to suggest that UV light, heat, sunlight, you know, whatever it is, are, are, is killing the virus uh, at, a, at a dramatically faster rate. So whereas the virus might hover in the air or on, um, on a surface, a fomite, if you will, for any number of time, you know, maybe three to four hours or whatever the case may be, if it's in direct sunlight, it's only going to live there for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. So outside is great. Um, there's been some suggestions. I think Shapiro was talking about this week of if you're a restaurant right now, clear out a space in your parking lot, put some tables out there. Like people are going to be much better off eating outside than they would be in a confined area with circulated air um, that that is inevitably going to pretty much touch everybody in there. Like you were saying, germs are pretty much everywhere. And I think that's something that a lot of people are missing in this whole flatten the curve and whether or not we have antibodies and how much the testing is, is you don't need to, you could, you could have gotten this thing, gotten over it, be immune to it, and you can mm-hmm. still spread it. It, you know, just because you don't get it, it doesn't mean that the virus hits your body and instantly dies. It, it's, it could be on your jacket. It could be 
on your shoes. It could be, you know, whatever the case may be. And everywhere you go and everything you touch could be spreading that even further. So um, the, the, the call for all the testing and all that kind of stuff, it's, yeah, it's great. We should definitely know how many people have this and how far it's spread, because hopefully it will indicate what I've been saying all along is that this thing isn't nearly as deadly as they've been talking about. But um, as far as the testing goes, that doesn't really help us as far as trying to mitigate the virus. It just helps us get a better understanding of it. Um, so I'm more in favor at this point of just kind of letting the floodgates open, even in New York, where it's been as bad as it could possibly be, that the, the hospitals were never truly overwhelmed in the way that they were being portrayed on the news. Um, there was plenty of other backup that was put in place that was never utilized because it was necessary. So I think we've, we're at the point now to where we flattened the curve. If, if we let everybody go back out tomorrow, might some people get sick? Might some people die? Yes, certainly that will happen. There's no point in time though, where we open up the floodgates that there isn't at least a slight uptick in this thing. So we got to just kind of rip the bandaid off. And, uh, and if it's, you know, as bad as it was in New York everywhere, obviously it was too soon. If it if it ends up kind of staying below the line to where we could still manage all of these cases in our healthcare system, it doesn't overwhelm them. And we're not seeing I mean, to this day, I don't believe that there has been a single life lost in the United States from COVID-19 due to lack of equipment or care provided. Even in New York, they said that they've had a ventilator for everyone who's needed one. There's mm -hmm. been staff on hand for everyone who's needed treatment. There's been a bed for everybody who's needed a bed. Um, yep. It has not been due to lack of resources. It has been due to the, just the, the nature of the virus and the comorbidities that these people had before they got the virus. And people were dying even on the ventilators. There was a video uh, of a couple like high profile people that were sitting there saying like, oh, I got this ventilator. And then a couple of days later, they were dead. And by high profile, I mean like world star hip hop fucking, you know, <laughs> quote unquote celebrities. And there was some, some, some rapper who was like 30 something years old who was overweight, obviously. And maybe this should just be a wake up call. And maybe this should be a nice plug for Stevie Richards Fitness, man. Get yourself in shape. Seriously. Seriously, get yourself in shape, man, because the best thing you can do for yourself is take care of yourself. And you don't want to get yourself in a position where something like this can attack you and just take you out so easily. But, Bella, my question to you, man, because like because like I because we are right close to getting into some Joe Biden shit. And I wanted to save this Joe Biden stuff for last because I <laughs> love ripping on Joe Biden. I, I He's my favorite target so much so that my daughter even does the, we hold these shoes to be self-leveling. And, and she walks around the house saying the, the thing, because I say it so much. I love <laughs> making fun of him so much. But oh, poor Joe. <laughs> about our boy Donald Trump, man. Um, so he's a smart guy. Do you think that he understands and knows that this isn't a pandemic as big enough as it is, and it's more, of, more or less a personal attack against him and his election? Um, I hold on. I think I can actually get a better answer from you, Donald. Yes, I'm a very stable genius. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, nerd. If that is your real name, I know more about the virus than anyone knows about the virus. I've been studying viruses for years. People have been talking about how much I've been talking about the viruses. It's amazing, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> like, great. Yeah, he he uh, he he definitely uh, is well aware. I mean, remember. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump calls the virus a hoax. First and foremost, that in and of itself was a hoax. But his reaction to this and it, from the get-go was these the media and the Democrats are playing this thing 
way out of proportion. And they've backed him into a corner to where he's had to do a lot of things he didn't want to do, like shutting down the economy, like banning travel, like spending trillions of dollars to save businesses, which has not been his wheelhouse, you know, for all the talk of. Uh, you know, all of Trump's taking care of his big buddies in the corporate world. Take a look around, people. He doesn't have buddies like anywhere. They all trash him at every possible turn to turn a buck on your stupidity because you hate him so much. You'll spend money on their products simply because they hate him. So he doesn't have buddies in the corporate world in the way, you know, obviously he's got a few donors here and there. He's got some lifelong friends that he's had that exist in that space. But it's not like, you know, he's he's trying to give money to shake shack for because he's like good friends with the ceo of shake shack he's trying to give money to shake shack because shake shack employs a lot of people that are now going to be on the government you know coffers basically if they don't get if they oh yeah the my pillow guy is uh, awesome but even that my pillow guy converts all of his factories or 75 percent of Mm -hmm. his factories to be fair uh to not only making masks but making higher quality rewashable masks and yep. the, the media mocks him. Trump has the My Pillow guy at the press conference. Yeah, the My Pillow guy's saving the country right now. What are you doing exactly, Chris Cuomo, exactly. besides sitting in your basement and lying about a disease that you don't have? Or Brian Stelter mm-hmm. fucking crying himself to sleep at night? Or Chris Hayes, who finally yes. found a spine and reported on Tara Reid the other night, only to be turned on by his very audience who wanted to hashtag fire Chris Hayes for dare speaking out against their beloved Mr. Magoo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the rant that I wanted. This whole episode, I've been waiting for that rant. That's the one that I wanted. That, that was perfect. Because I well, go thanks. on some rants, man. Man, this guy is, I mean, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all <laughs> men are created equal. But so they are endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are the like most iconic words from one of our most <laughs> iconic documents. And and the funniest part about that whole thing is I was listening. I think I was listening to Glenn Beck uh, was talking about. I may have talked about this with you uh, off air at some point, but he was talking about um, his co-host was talking about. Is he forgetting the lines there or is he? He trying to self-censor because he said all men and women are created. So that's not part of it. And it's not because the founders were sexist. It's because when when you said mankind at the time, we knew you meant women, too. Um, You know, but all men are created equal and that he he flubs the thing Mm -hmm. because (laughs) he flubs the thing because he doesn't want to talk about their creator. They're endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights. And he doesn't want to talk about God in front of a bunch of, you know, essentially atheists and baby killers because, you know, that that turns into a whole issue for him. So he it's funny to to kind of go back and watch that again. Is he forgetting the line, which he's which he's done a couple times before uh, since, too? He's forgotten the line on on a couple of other occasions. Or is he just trying to come up with a politically correct way of saying it? And when the guy can't even get a single sentence out, which happens to be. Again, the most iconic line from one of our more iconic documents, one of the most radical <laughs> and, and awesome political documents ever written, by the way. Um, he, he can't even get that one line out because he's worried about political correctness. What do you think his policies are going to be like when he gets into office? And by the way, he won't be making most of them. He'll just be, you know, weekend at Bernie signing all of these things as they usher new, more radical leftist legislation in in front of him. God forbid they should take control of the Senate as uh, the Senate and the House. So, uh, yeah, good old uh, good old Joe. I mean, it's it's still so funny to me that of all of the, the wokery from the left, 
for the last four years, they ended up with Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders as their final two nominees. And Mike Bloomberg, of all people, if you had told me three people that that are are like, I I said it from the beginning, none of these people have a chance. They're too white. They're too rich. They're too male. They're too straight. They're too whatever to Jewish in in Bloomberg and Bernie's case. If you want to consider Bernie a Jew, I don't. Uh, But these uh, the. These things are just hilarious that the, the, the Kamala Harris's, the Cory Booker's, the Beta O'Rourke's, the Amy Klobuchar's, the all of these folks that were like you know, prime. They check all the boxes for all of these people to talk about all these identity politics things all the time. And what did we end up with? Old, rich, straight, white men, baby. That's mm-hmm. all it came down to. It's so hilarious Dude. how un they unself-aware they are, how in <laughs> disingenuous that they actually are. Uh, you know, it, it really just shines a light on how they aren't anywhere near as woke as they portrayed themselves to be. And if they were, you know, Kamala Harris would have ran away with this thing. But Tulsi even she Gabbard. got slapped. Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, she yeah, that's so another hot. one, too. She was so hot. Like, who who would have voted for her? I think she would have taken a lot of votes away from Trump. I think, I think you know, it, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she links herself in with, like, a, with a third-party candidacy somehow. So I don't think she's necessarily under the thumb of the DNC. Um, I could see her maybe attaching herself to a Justin Amash or something like that, even though Amash is – I mean, they, they could – they couldn't be any more politically different, the two of them, but maybe because they're kind of outsiders looking for some semblance of normalcy, they could kind of create an interesting enough pairing uh, to draw some votes away. But I think it's even as somebody who's voting for Trump unequivocally, like regard, virtually regardless of what happens between now and November um, and somebody who's ver- never voted for mm-hmm. a Democrat before in my life, I think it's pretty obvious now more than ever that the third party, perhaps even a fourth party, needs to emerge in this country. And um, I'm going to, whether I necessarily agree with it or not, do my best to try to support that voice if and when it ever emerges, because I think it is so important because the the left and the right right now, we're just, we're just pushing even farther out into the extremes. And now we can't even see the middle anymore, which means that nothing ever gets done. I mean, that's, that's unless for some reason we get a clean sweep where it's uh, a Republican president, House and Senate, uh, or or vice versa, Democrat House, Republican uh, uh, Senate, and and presidency, um, we're not going to see anything get done that's going to actually help us. Because even even now in a time of crisis, we can't help but put pork into these bills and and pay uh, for stupid things that have nothing to do with the actual problem at hand. Uh, it, it's it's unfortunate that we've kind of there's there's a certain degree of I think the gridlock helps in dc a lot it gets a lot of blame for us not doing certain things but i think a lot of the things that government wants to do particularly in peacetime in a good economy those things are stupid things <laughs> and the reason that we didn't yeah. do them before is because we were struggling and we were worrying about trying to, to 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 get to where we are where we were right before coronavirus and when you get bored and you get lazy and you get complacent and you feel safe you start doing stupid shit. It's the reason why all these celebrities are into all this weird stuff that they're into. They got too much time, too much money, too much uh, flexibility, too much security, and they started. They 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 get bored, and that inevitably leads to uh, morally questionable activity, to put it kindly, um, because you need to find that next thrill. Like skydiving doesn't do it, so it's time to drink baby blood. <laughs> Did you see the Biden deep fake? I did. I sent it to my girlfriend. Shout outs to to Caitlin, by the way. Uh, she was haunted by it. Uh, it was <laughs> so good. That motherfucker's got some tongue game as far as that person, whoever made that thing goes. 
My question to you is like, dude, Donald Trump retweeted this, which is why I love him so much, because he doesn't give a shit. He just makes fun of people. He is like an improv stand-up comedian on his game at all times. I wish we always had presidents like Trump, because I don't want to see the normal nine-to-five guy who punches the car and says the things that need to be said and goes home. I, I need people like him in my life that just fucking say what needs to be said, makes fun of shit, and is themselves. But did you see, and, and, and this is more or less a question about deep faking, Jay-Z was deep faked, uh, the rapper Jay-Z, uh, and someone deep faked him doing Hamlet, rapping Hamlet. Oh my God. <laughs> and he is suing and wants to get rid of deep faking. And I was doing some thinking about this last night because I really sleep at night. It's really hard for me to sleep at night. So I was doing some thinking about deep faking. I'm watching videos and I saw a couple of porn videos where like celebrities faces like Gal Gadot from Wonder Woman. They put her face on some woman's body riding a dick like she's actually fucking him. And I'm like, wait a second. So if people can get away with this, what's next? And this is where I wanted to kind of get off politics for a second, just get off everything else and just ask you your personal opinion on this topic. Because deep faking, I think, is going to be the next dangerous thing in society. And I think that could be another method where people can kind of fuck with each other. Imagine if the Russian government was really in, in, in Trump's pocket and they used deep faking on Hillary Clinton's face, like robbing a bank or doing something horrible, and you can make it look realistic enough and people fall for it. Maybe there is no filter for this in the future because it, it's getting to a point where you can't tell what's real and what's not. So I just kind of want to get your opinions on deep faking. I have definitely not seen that Gal Gadot video ever. It's good. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to do some research on that one. Yeah. But uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I I think the deep faking will stick around um, pretty much forever, right? Like, because the 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 hackers and the people that do this sort of thing are always ahead of the authorities. That's why these things continue to be pushed out there. But I also think it's going to be a way too convenient excuse somewhere down the line, right? Um, who was it? Joy Reid on CNN. She pretended that she was hacked by somebody who posted a bunch of, um, um, I guess, anti-gay uh, slurs on her social media or on some blog that she wrote. And to this day, she still pretends that she was hacked about it. Like, absolutely no one believes her. Um, but there's, uh, you know, a lot of people out there that try to play that card. Oh, I was hacked or uh, Velveteen Dreams going through it right now in uh, in WWE, where apparently somebody sent out some illicit pictures of his to a minor and it, they, you know, it was it was reported to be him. He's denying it. He's saying that the picture's real, but somebody got it and they sent it to somebody they shouldn't have without his permission. Whatever the case yeah. may be, um, uh, you know that that's that that is still kind of unfurling. But uh, we're hacking used to be the previous answer. Oh yeah, I was hacked. You know, or yeah, my sex tape yeah. just happened to leak or whatever it is. Now it's now it's going to be oh that's not really me. That's a deep fake. Um, oh it wasn't you know the, that's not Hillary eating that baby that's uh that's somebody else it's a deep fake so you're saying it's a cop out i think it's a cop out and i think the the, you know the the celebrities the media they'll pretend that they don't like it but then they'll conveniently use it as an excuse when they can i mean there's no doubt about it now you can go almost guarantee especially with the amount of attention that's being shown on this right now something will happen in the next six months to a year and it'll look so real and may very well be real but whoever it is will be like, oh, no, it's a deep fake. Like, I never said that. I never did that. That's a, you know, it'll happen. It'll definitely happen. And the celebrities will all 
you know, oh, I don't want this and I, you know, I'm going to sue you and all that kind of stuff. But they will immediately use that as an excuse as soon as it becomes convenient for them. So uh, I think it'll kind of be people talking out of both sides of their mouths about it. Like, you know, it seems virtually everybody does in the public square these days uh, yeah. with almost any issue. But, yeah, the deep fakes are they're scary. Uh, there, there are some really fun ones, though, like a uh, Bill <laughs> Hader a comedian does like a lot of really good impressions. And Arnold people have like deep fake, yeah, Schwarzenegger and Tom Cruise and uh, a couple other ones, and it's it's really freaky uh, when when all of a sudden he starts going into the voice and his face changes. There's something there's something trippy that happens in your head where it, it's almost like you don't you don't your your brain doesn't know how to process this because it's so new even to us um, that I think it it could definitely be used for nefarious purposes, and if it can, it inevitably will be. How about we make fun of Joe Biden some more, man? Because I do have another Joe Biden topic. I, I fucking I, – I like Joe Biden because if he became president, we would have so much material to talk about every single week because all the dumb shit that he says. Oh, yeah. But I, 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 I kind of want to tie this back to the Joe Biden and the Democratic shift because back in the day there was a thing called uh, Believe All Women when it was uh, Kavanaugh getting accused. But then Joe Biden gets accused and he gets thrown some softball questions, which were answered by his wife, mostly. And there's a lot of Joe Biden shit, man. But like the whole thing is like, why can that party obviously say believe all women, no matter what they say, which is a dangerous precedent to set? Because if I piss off a girl in high school and all of a sudden she's like, you know what? The nerd turned me down at the prom. I'm going to say he raped me. And then I can be accused of rape, even though I never even tried to rape the bitch. And then you amplify that by a million times. This guy's going for president. Anybody could accuse him of anything at any given time, and you're supposed to believe them. But it's a Democrat now. So now these people, like these celebrities, like Alyssa Milano, who's, who's the biggest cunt in the fucking planet as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> is yep. going out there. And she said, believe Christine Blase Ford because Kavanaugh's guilty. He, he, he must be guilty. He must be guilty. But then it's Joe Biden, her boy. And now it's we got to pull the reins back. We have to believe Joe Biden. And now hashtag believe Joe Biden is trending. What the fuck world are we living in, dude? What the fuck is happening? Why can't we all just agree to, like, get facts first? Yeah. I mean, God forbid you have a standard. I mean, uh, I said before, I think, you know, you know, he may have raped this girl. And I, I, I don't know. You're right. Like, I don't know. It, it was 1993 or something like that when this all went down. I was six years old. I, I had no idea who Joe Biden was at the time. Like, hey, whatever. It could it could have happened. It might not have happened. What what the double standard exists is that, like you said, like believe all women turned into believe all women that say something bad about Republicans. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh was a Boy Scout his entire life. The man yeah. literally had documentation of every place he had ever been, every person he had ever met with, which some people might suggest is a little creepy into itself, but he knew exactly like where he was when she claimed she was being raped by him, and he and he immediately had documentation showing I was here, I was with this person, I was you know whatever it was, and they continued to push this story like it made sense. I mean the 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 Blasey Ford story I guess is believable, but until when she started saying person x y and z were there and they said no i wasn't have no idea what she's talking about oh but then 
you know, maybe, maybe they just forgot it was a long time ago. So that was an, a convenient enough excuse. Oh, it was a long time ago. Maybe they forgot, but it was at the same time. Like, it was a long time ago. She doesn't have any evidence of this, and anybody can say anything happened 35 years ago to try to ruin somebody. And there's no real, you know, there's no realistic way of finding evidence for something about that. So you can, if you believe all women all the time, women have immense power to ruin people's lives then all of a sudden. And that's really unfortunate. Uh, never, never mind the accusers of Trump. I was talking about uh, Kavanaugh's accusers before, but E. Jean Carroll has anybody seen this woman like do a television interview? She was so crazy. Anderson Cooper cut the commercial on her, and she <laughs> called rape romantic. She pretended like you know she talked about like Donald Trump like basically raping her in a in a in a dressing room in a Victoria's Secret or whatever the fuck it was and 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 then was like talking about how it was romantic and how I don't want to actually say it was rape because it would be an insult to all the people that are being raped at the border like it really had nothing to she she just kind of came up with the most ridiculous story possible and is the most ridiculous person possible and that story was given credit because it was against Trump whereas Miss Reed and I don't know her from from Eve or whatever it is. Like I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to say I believe her, but I, I believe that the evidence she's presented so far is far greater than any of the evidence presented by any of those women that were trumpeted on the media. Uh, and and you know it's it, it easily and it's it's so funny. We were talking about how unaware the Democrats are, right? Like they they kept saying Trump is out of his mind and he's this creepy old, you know. And then they nominate Joe Biden, who's the exact. <laughs> Same thing they have accused Trump of. I mean, we now all know about the 25th Amendment, right? Is that, is that the cabinet could get together and say we need to boot out the president because he's going, because like, his, his mind is going. Mm-hmm. Um, that would happen within about five minutes of Joe Biden taking the oath of office because, I mean, what sane person could look at him and be like, yeah, that guy definitely needs to have the nuclear codes, be in charge of our armies, our economy, our health care. Like, it. definitely. That. No, he's I mean, he's not fit to read a cue card. His wife had to answer questions. Think, like, like he would probably think the red button was his fucking doorbell to get into his house and just blast a fucking nuclear weapon off. He has no idea where the fuck he is, and it's annoying. I don't know why people think he's fit to do anything. Like, there's plenty of proof out there. This guy can't even form a fucking sentence. This is crazy. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the debates, right? Because, oh. you know, Trump is going to steamroll him. And I cannot wait to watch the media like bend over backwards to try to come up with spin that says that Joe Biden won these debates. And there'll be, you know, all the usual polls, Gallup and CNN and Harris, uh, Hill Harris X and all these polls will say like, you know, 60 percent of people say Joe Biden won that debate. And that's like, yeah. how is where are these people? How high were they? And where do I get some of the shit that they were smoking? To put it in wrestling terms, it would be like The Rock going one-on-one in an unscripted interview against Barry Horowitz. Yeah. That's what Trump is going to destroy this guy. And he has no hope on live TV. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the guy can barely get through like a five-minute segment on his own perfectly orchestrated, perfectly safe outlet that he's doing these like town halls with or whatever. He's falling asleep while Hillary's talking, which absolutely no one can blame him for. Um, but you know, he can't get through 10 minutes with a script and with the perfect conditions. He, I, I mean, there, there was a part of me for a while that I was thinking to myself, like Trump's going to really have a tough time with Bernie if it's Bernie, because Bernie's still with it and yeah. he believes what he believes and he's been persuasive enough 
to convince enough idiots that what he believes is the right way to go. But, um, you know, but Trump's going to have some issues with him. And then I thought back to what he did to Hillary Clinton. And I mean, the one line, you know, like, you know, she's like, oh, thank God you're not in charge. And he'd be like, yeah, because you'd be in jail. And it didn't even end up happening. It's like the one thing he's promised that didn't happen so far. But um, if he could do what he did to Hillary Clinton, he's going to I mean, like to say he's going to eat Joe Biden's lunch isn't even close. Like he's going to eat his breakfast, his dinner, his dessert. He's going to take his lunch money. Um, I mean, Joe is going to end up in the fetal position crying like Brian Stelter by the end of this. You know, it's such a it's going to be such a stoppage. That, like, fucking Dana White should referee this shit because it's going to be that big of a stop. It, it, it's, yeah. it's just going to be an ass-whooping, dude. Donald Trump is going to own Joe Biden. They're relying on Joe Biden's affiliation with uh, Barack Obama, and it's not going to happen. Barack Obama barely even wanted to endorse this motherfucker until he was a last man standing. And the only reason why he's standing is because someone has a stick up his back and treating him like a fucking uh, uh, like a puppet. He's weakened at Bernie's, dude. He's dead on arrival. He has no chance to win. And it's fucking annoying that they're parroting this guy out there like he's going to be the next big thing. And he like maybe they did this whole thing because they can't put him out live. So they want to have him via satellite. And they got this Cup of Joe podcast where he's heavily scripted by his wife. We just don't know. But, like, I feel like a conspiracy guy, and I don't want to be a conspiracy guy. I don't believe in conspiracies. I believe everything happens for a reason. But I do feel like this whole thing with November coming so close is just way too coincidental. And that's just the way that I'm thinking right now, man. I don't know about you. Yeah. I hear you there. I mean, there's there's a part of me that wonders if the Democrats are just throwing this election. Because they've obviously got a lot of like firebrands that they could throw at Trump if they really wanted to. But do you injure them against this seemingly unstoppable machine right now? You know, like the, the Kamala Harris's, the Cory Booker's, the Klobuchar's, even the, the Gabbard's, um, the Julio Julian Castro's. Like there's there's definitely some guys and girls in that party that, for whatever reason, have an appeal to a certain section of the population that, that believe in, in their ideologies and, and and these could very well be future presidents someday. Um, you know, even unfortunately waiting in the wings is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who mm. is going to give, you know, probably going to primary Chuck Schumer at some point in the next few years. And we'll see exactly where the Democratic Party wants to go in New York. Do they want to stick with the old hat or do they want to go with the hot young socialist? Uh, I think they'll probably go with the latter. But I think the DNC kind of looks at this situation and goes, there's no way like there's just no way any of these people, once they start again to the end, are even going to stand a chance against Trump. So why why damage, um, you know, another property that might have value for us somewhere down the line? You know, kind of like a wrestling thing. Like why why yeah. have this guy lose to Brock Lesnar now when, you know, a couple of years down the line, he could beat Drew McIntyre and become world heavyweight champion. And uh, and, you know, we can we could still make a lot of money off of him. And. Uh, you know, when you see names like Stacey Abrams being floated as the VP pick or even even Kamala Harris, I mean, like she is she is every bit as unlikable as Hillary Clinton was on yes. top of the fact that she's a total hypocrite who's put more black people in jail uh, than than virtually any you know person since probably Bill Clinton. Um, and it, it's it's just it's absurd uh, mm-hmm. that that some of these names are being floated out there. And I, I think the DNC wanted to go with Biden knowing that he's old, 
He's out of touch. He's so out of touch, maybe he doesn't even realize what's happening to him right now, which is that he's being fed to the Lions. Um, whereas if they let Bernie go in there and he ran and he won, God forbid, even, mm-hmm. they lose that party forever. Because that oh, yeah. party, Bernie Sanders is not the mainstream Democrat. He's not even close. Now, there's a lot of people leaning that way. The youth is definitely leaning that way. But I think it made sense for them to kind of save face and play the old hat card, even if it's going to lose this time around. Because if you do fire up those young socialists, they're going to take that party so far left that it's no one's going to be able to identify with it anymore. And as I've mentioned, I think that the, the youth right now is going to be increasingly conservative as they get older. So they could be looking at like losing the House, the Senate, the Supreme Court forever um, and, and, and presidencies for years to come. And I think they decided, like, let's bite the bullet on this one. Let's throw Joe to the wolves. And we'll regroup in 2024 when the the circumstances will be much, much better for them. Even if Trump has another great four years, there's going to be an element of people just having enough of it all and wanting to go back to, you know, we, we've rotated every eight years for a while now. It's, you know, it was Reagan, well, Bush for four years, but then uh, Clinton for four years, Bush for four years, Obama for four years, Trump for four uh, for eight years, rather two terms. Um, to go back and forth there. So I think in 2024, regardless of how good Trump does, it's going to be a Democrat and they're going to have their pick of who exactly they want that Democrat to be the same way they threw John Kerry to the wolves in 2004. And then they got to pick their golden calf, Barack Obama in 2008. You see, this is where I feel like we differ a little bit because I feel like they think that Biden is strong enough with the Obama endorsement to win the election. But I think they're not picking... Biden, I think they're using him in his name to get in there and his vice president because they know he's not going to live much longer or his brain's not going to last much longer. We're to the point where he's going to be deemed insane and be kicked out of office regardless. I think the vice president that they're trying to put in there is really the president they're trying to get in there. So if Stacey Abrams is a choice and man, holy shit. And this is another topic I kind of want to talk to you about. And I'm going to kind of just tether this together where. I'm sick of the pandering. I'm sick of the fucking pandering here. And I believe that whoever is the best choice should be the best choice for whatever position in whatever position in life that has to do with anything that is relevant to American society. Biden said that he needs a woman of color. So not only did he shut down men, he shut down women that are white and said, I need a woman of color when he wanted to look for his 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 potential vice president, which is bullshit. Because I don't give a shit. And, like, I'm not a racist human being. I'm a Hispanic male. My wife is white. My kids are half Hispanic, half white. I have a lot of black friends. I have a black dog. I got a gray dog. Whatever. Whatever the fuck you want to say. <laughs> the thing is, like, I have no bias towards race because I think race, looking at people by race is stupid because we're all going to die anyway. We all die in the same whatever. We all bleed the same, breathe the same water. Whatever. I sound like Joe Biden right now. But still. <laughs> Well, I like I had to say anything. Well, but. like I had a few. Well, I had I had a few drinks, man, and like that's how I do these podcasts. But, Fair but still, like, I I I just don't subscribe to that fact that like you have to go that route when you're going to elect somebody. Why can't you just choose the best person available for the job? And the fact that he's advertising that he's looking for a a black woman to be his vice president. It just doesn't make any sense to me, man. Like it, it just, it, it just really feels like they're trying to force this agenda that just doesn't need to be forced. Like, hey, like I'm going to pick the best person available. 
That's all yeah. they need to say. Yeah, and in uh, and I think in a lot of cases, um, it it just falls on deaf ears, right? Like, I mean, we were told that we needed a woman of color to be the nominee too. We ended up with Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Mike Bloomberg. None of which are <laughs> exactly. none of which are women of color, to what I can tell here. Also, the best picks for him right now um, would either be Governor Milfi of Michigan or uh, Senator Klobuchar of Minnesota. She need he needs to really, if he has any chance. He needs to focus on the Rust Belt, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio. That's where Trump won. That's that's where he destroyed Hillary Clinton and just swept that whole Rust Belt. And um, and and that's why he calls it a landslide, even though the Electoral College numbers don't necessarily show that. But it really was in a lot of ways. He won every state that he needed to win. And a lot of that has to do with the manufacturing jobs in those areas. And that's why. If if there's any credence to your theory, which I certainly think there is, uh, that Biden would be the strongest candidate because him being in that spot, having the blue collar background, he calls himself Lunch Bucket Joe, and uh, you know he's from Pennsylvania, run, uh, works in you know, works in Delaware now. He's kind of you know he, he's he's a kindred spirit to a lot of people who live in that region of the country, and uh, and I think the women there having either been from Michigan or from Minnesota and Klobuchar in particular, she's so popular, uh, not only in Minnesota, but really amongst all sane, rational human beings. I mean, even me, I found myself in awe of her throughout the democratic debates. Cause I think she is just so reasonable and she does have a certain level of, um, bipartisan support. If you will, she goes into red district, she wins. She, she's never lost an election. I believe to my knowledge, as far as her political career goes, um, so she is, is a very, very formidable person who also, if God forbid, Joe Biden goes down or needs to be yeah. removed, um, she would be a competent leader and she would be, uh, I think a far better first female president than Hillary Clinton ever would have been. Um, so I think there's, there's an element of, I, I think those women are, are the two that he's eyeing. So he might be saying woman of color, but I think he'll fall short of his own standard. I mean, Stacey Abrams lost her own state by 50,000 votes and is still claiming that she's the legitimate governor of her state. So she's about as in touch with reality as Joe Biden is. So if nothing else, that ticket might make no sense, but still some sense because of the lack of sense, if you will. I, I still think Tulsi Gabbard, man, she's got the looks and she's got the brains and she's a rogue. She's she doesn't belong to either party. She just kind of does what the fuck she does and says what she wants to say and. I, I, I like her way of thinking, and I think she would be a great vice president, eventual president, eventually. But Joe Biden, man, like this guy is just a fucking prop at this point. And people that are out there looking to see him as a president and see him on TV, listen to his podcast and just see the shit that he does. And he's falling apart, man. Like this is like watching your grandfather forget his wife's name on his deathbed. As you're a child holding your grandfather's hand in the hospital yeah. and you're voting for this motherfucker like this guy is just that bad, dude. He has nothing left. He's done. He's finished. Oh, I mean, like, and let's all right, let's put aside his declining cognitive abilities. Let's uh, let's let's go on to child sniffer um, woman yeah. groper, um, you know, on top of the fact that I mean, we as far as I'm concerned, we are not done with his son yet. I mean, his son, like in Ukraine, in China, in Latvia, like all over the world, just putting money in his pocket, never mind his brothers, his brother-in-law, his sister, all of which have enriched themselves from him being in office over time. 
Um, now even going back and watching his his questioning of Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas approval uh, for, for when he was nominated for, for the Supreme Court. Uh, the dude's historically just been a weird, you know, hair slick back, used car salesman political creep, like um, on every conceivable front for his entire life. Uh, it, there's no shortage of things that even if he was of sound mind that we could go after him for. But the most obvious one is the fact that he can't get through a sentence without asking his wife what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a real problem. <laughs> Dr. Jill Biden, uh, you know, a future future Surgeon General, even though she's not a medical doctor, but Whoopi Goldberg wants to make her the Surgeon General for some reason. Um, that there's, you know, the Joe Biden's just that. There, there's no end to why he's a bad candidate, and I can't, for the life of me, understand why anyone would have thought in the first place that he's a good candidate. They, they've pissed off the Bernie Bros to the point to mm-hmm. where if if they if they actually have this convention in Milwaukee, which I highly doubt they're going to at this point, and maybe that's a convenient side effect of the coronavirus as well, is they may have very well burned that city to the ground. Um, there's already certainly calls for it uh, from some of the more diehard Bernie bros, people inside the Bernie Sanders campaign that were revealed through Project Veritas videos. Uh, these folks are not happy. And if the Democrats are under the delusion that these folks hate Trump so much that they're going to vote for Bernie Sanders after the DNC stabbed them in the back for the second consecutive primary, um, I think they're in for a rude awakening. And I think there's not only a contingent, a large contingent of those voters that will just stay home and boycott the whole thing, but there there will be some Bernie bros that say, F the DNC, I'm voting for Trump. And there's been some polls out there to suggest that maybe 10 to 15 percent of Bernie supporters are in that vote, and that's all they need. It's the same thing with the black vote, too, for that matter. If Trump can, oh, yeah. and there's been, there's been numbers since the beginning of his presidency that he's been gaining on the black vote. We've seen the Blexit movement started by Candace Owens, who, hey, if Joe Biden wants a woman Thank of you. color so badly, how about Candace Owens? Um, yeah, Thank clearly you. that, Candace that, yeah, oh, I, I love Candace. And uh, it's somebody I've been following for a while. Later, so thank you for bringing her up in this segment here because it causes me to not bring her up later because I love her, man. She's the best thing that happened to the party in a long time. Absolutely. And if and she says it all the time, too, like the, the Democratic Party relies so heavily on the black vote, which is why they do all of these things. Like, let's reach yeah. out to the gay community, the 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 the, the, the trans community. They try to, like, piece together a voter base. And the problem is, is that they've let so many people under the tent at this point that the people under the tent are realizing that a lot of their beliefs don't coincide with one another and that the T's don't necessarily coincide with the L's, the G's, and the B's, and that mm-hmm. uh, you know feminists don't necessarily get along with people who think anybody can be a woman. And, uh, and, and, for the, you know, and, and for that matter, as people are starting to discover more and more over time that democratic welfare-expanding policies and things along those lines were used to target and basically, basically victimize the very people of color that they claim to protect all the time, they're becoming more and more aware of the fact that, yeah, I've just been voting for Democrats my whole life because I'm black and my dad told me to and I never really looked into it much. And I was told that they're the party for me or whatever it is. If even five to 10 percent of the black vote shifts over to the Republican side, the Democrats will never, ever win another major election. And that's a real possibility, given the numbers that we saw as far as unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, President Trump obviously has 
you know, people like Candace, even, you know, dumbass people like Diamond and Silk, like they get a chance to come in and talk in in the White House on occasion. Not something we saw a lot out of from previous administrations. He's given more money to historically black colleges and universities than any president ever. Yes, including Barack Obama. Um, and, you know, there's 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 a lot of reason to if you you know, obviously I'm not a person of color here, but there's a lot of reason that if you're paying attention to that stuff and you're seeing what the media is saying, wondering What's really true? Why are these two things in such uh, well, it's stark contrast to one another? And then once you do the deep dive, it becomes fairly obvious that the media has been lying to you and trying to get you to believe a certain narrative that simply has never been true, but is obviously not now. Uh, you wanted to talk about Candace, though. What do, what do we got about her? Yeah, well, dude, I fucking love her. And I think she's great. And I think she did a civic service by basically saying, like, hey, listen. People out there have another way to go, and you don't always have to believe the stories that your parents, your grandparents, your grand, your great grandparents have taught you. And she basically told people like, "Hey, you can take advantage of your life and make your own, you know, narrative, and you can do whatever the hell you want to do." And that's what I love about her because, like, she doesn't sugarcoat the fact that people are being held back by the Democratic Party. And that you can do whatever the hell you want to do in life. And it's great. And I love her message. She gets a lot of backlash and it sucks because like she gets shit on a lot. But I do like the fact that she's doing that because I grew up as a Hispanic male in New Jersey, growing up thinking that the democratic narrative was the only way to live because like, hey, they're, they're, they're going to give us money. They care about us because we're minorities. And you're, you're told this your whole life until you find out the facts. And that's where I think Candace Owens fits in. Like she gives you the facts and then you could realize that maybe you could have a better life living a different way and having different narratives and just doing different things in life. And that's where I think she's a, a fucking a, a national monument where she just gives people a different perspective. And that's where we need to go as far as, you know, uh, political perspective and stuff like that. Yeah, I really hope she is heralded one day for the work that she's done, because obviously she gets shat on at every given turn in in the media today. But, uh, you know, she echoes the comments that Trump made back in the election. What the hell do you have to lose? If you're if Mm -hmm. you're a person of color in this country and life is every bit as terrible as the media is telling you it is and you've been voting a certain way for the entirety of your life, why not try something different? You know, I mean. Uh, Steve, Steven Crowder says all the time, he goes, yeah, people like to say the Republicans are the party of the rich and the Democrats are the, are the party of the, the poor and the working class. OK, well, then it's in the Republicans interest to keep you rich and it would be in the interest of the Democrats to keep you poor and keep you working and keeping you distracted. So, you know, there, there there's obviously always a way to spin it like, oh, those evil Republicans and their their gun manufacturers and their pharmaceutical companies and you know, all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, there's a lot of that shit that goes on too. Republicans are not innocent. Uh, but as as Bongino always likes to say, Republicans are not necessarily always uh, the solution to your problem. But Democrats are almost always the cause <laughs> of your problem. And yep. uh, it, it, I mean, it really is even the things that we're looking at now. The uh, the the shortage of PPE and the shortage of ventilators. How did that happen? Well, H1N1 occurred under the Obama administration. They used up all of the PPE and all the ventilators and didn't replenish it. Now, you, you know, you could say, oh, well, Trump should have done that when he got into office. You think that was like even close to on his radar when he got into office? There's no pandemic. There's nothing to worry about. We're talking three years ago, uh, mm-hmm. four years ago, close to now. 
that like at no point in time would it have ever dawned on him or probably even the experts that surround him and put together the presidential daily briefings to say, hey, you know, there's like a pandemic looming, which there wasn't, and we got to get all this equipment that we don't necessarily need. The guy's trying to cut costs. I mean, that's been something he's tried to do uh, since he got into office. He's definitely not always been successful in that, but he's a businessman. He's not going to spend money on assets that he doesn't necessarily think he needs right now. And, uh, and you know, the previous administration left him with an empty you know basket. He went to go, oh, well, we should have a stockpile for that, right? And he goes and finds out that it's not yep. there. Does the previous administration drop the ball? So, um, you know, I guess that Democrats are virtually always the cause of the problems, while Republicans aren't always necessarily the solution. They're at least, you know, something slightly better than what caused it in the first place. I agree 100 percent. And I do want to ask you this last question before we have our special run in. Oh, good. All right. Oh, yeah. We have a run in guest here who's going to run in and ask you or, 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 or just talk to you a little bit. But before we do that. My my last thing for you, man, because like we've gone two and a half hours, dude, and like it felt like it's been about ten minutes. Yeah, it's really nice. Oh, I'm glad to feel sure for you. I'm winded over here. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think the American government expects us to deal with this shit? Oh, that's a very good question. Like I think I cited that poll before that says by mid June, virtually 100 percent of people will have had enough of this, especially as the weather gets nice out. You're, you're, you know, before you were you were in house, you're watching Netflix. It was rainy and shitty outside in a lot of areas. Now, like I'm looking outside right now. It's beautiful. Like I got windows open and um, I'm ready to go Jersey. walk outside. Yeah. And that's in New Jersey. So I'm sure it's a lot nicer <laughs> in other places. Um, but, yeah, I don't think people are going to be dealing with this much longer. I think uh you know, as much as we all wanted to mock the protesters, I think we're all going to slowly become protesters over the next series of weeks here. And what's happening, especially as especially as we're looking at governments, uh, state governments in particular that are continuing lockdowns like you're already extending these things out to like June 1st. In some cases, there's no there's really no science behind any of those decisions. It's not uh, we, again, we flatten the curve. We've determined that. This is not nearly as lethal as it was initially being reported. It's already been determined by a lot of scientists that have suggested even the lockdowns aren't stamping this thing out in the way that we thought it was uh, and that it's still spreading. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this virus just, you know, just kind of runs its course over a certain period of time, regardless of the level of exposure or the lockdown you know, mitigation efforts, I guess. So I think as people become more and more weary of the information that these governments are making their decision making on and they're getting increasingly more impatient sitting in their house staring at the wall, um, I, I think eventually this hits a breaking point. And again, it may very well have been the left and the media and the Democrats overextending themselves to the point to where they're going to they're going to go rushing into the arms of the big orange man who's saying, let's open this bitch up. Hopefully we can get some kind of unity one day, man. Like maybe the Democrats or Republicans can kind of just merge together one day and say, hey, let's do something right for the people instead of for ourselves. But there's something more important than that happening right now. Uh-oh. There's, listen, Andrew Bello, there is a woman out here who loves your show more than anything else. Oh. <laughs> and she wants to tell you a little something. I'm, I, I know why you're working up this huge thing i just wanted to run in and say hi he's making like this huge deal all right go ahead and talk (laughs) i just wanted to tell you that wednesday locker room was freaking amazing this week oh thank you the song at the end 
keep playing that one too because that was another good one. Was this a genuine song? No, it was it Round the Way Girl. Oh, that's right. The because I was in the shower and I need a Round the Way Girl. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, because I came out ready to fuck. Oh my god! <laughs> right. Man, these guys do some good music. Although I do have yeah, to was... all the guesses for my name are wrong, so you guys no. are trying. <laughs> so all right. We will give you one hint. It starts with a D. Wow. Oh, I fucking knew it. I got this then. I'm not I'm not gonna guess on air because I don't want to get a reaction, but I knew it. I I, I was telling Shrankler Steve and Billy, we have a we have a never-ending group chat that one of these days we will find a way to give people subscription access to. Um but That's awesome. I, I, I came up with a name and they thought like I, I put it in there, I just put the name exclamation point, and they were like, Wait, somebody told you? And I'm like, No, I'm still guessing, but I'm pretty sure on this one. So I'll, I'll guess when we get off the air, but nerd edit is an, an absolute pleasure to be speaking with you right now. And then I, I love the voices of misery about as much as you like hashtag WLR. Uh, so uh, it, it is, it is awesome to get the talk to, to both of you. Not that I haven't been sitting here talking with the nerd for the last three hours. Well, please tell me that he's he, like, you've got all the political shit done, right? I don't have to listen to it anymore. No, I, I will it's, keep it's going. Over. <laughs> Oh, I then I, I haven't done my job then because, yeah, I figured I would talk his ear off to the point to where he, the last thing he would ever want to talk about is coronavirus or the election. <laughs> but apparently not. If I can't do it, I don't know that anyone can. Oh, God. The thing is that we have another show coming up after this one, man, and we're going to record right after this episode. But I appreciate you coming on, man, because like this has been a really good experience for me just by talking to someone who knows shit about politics and Everything that's going on in the world right now, it's been really cool to talk to someone, man. And the thing about pod, uh, podcasting is like you have to talk about people that know more than you and just know a little bit about anything because that's how you broaden your horizons and get the whole thing going, man. I think it's that's great. A, that's actually why I don't have a lot of guests on my podcast is because it's not there's just not a lot of people who know more than me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, you know, I like to rant, as I'm sure you could tell. I probably uh, had you. I probably had you rolling your eyes a couple of points during this podcast uh, from from the sheer length of content that I'm providing here. But yeah, it's a uh, it's it's always cool to just get to talk to other people about what's going on in general. But obviously, I mean, I listen to you guys all the time. I I I love your program. I I feel like a part of the nerd family. Uh, you know, when I listen to you guys, I feel like I know you guys really well. And now having a, a bunch of different chances to talk to you guys. I know you even better, but uh, it's always cool to hear you. And it was funny because I was sitting there listening to you, and I'm like, I hear you keep talking about this corona stuff. And there was a period of time where I wasn't allowed to really talk about politics necessarily. Um, and and then in, in some respects, I'm still trying to keep a low profile. But at the same time, like with all of this going on and it being the only thing anyone's talking about, um, I you know, I, I was hoping that we can get a chance to have this conversation. And it was pretty much everything I, I dreamed it would be. So um, it, it was awesome talking to you. I wish we can talk about like, you know, better circumstances. Unfortunately, right now we're looking at, um, you know, coronavirus and economic potential travesties and whatever else is coming down the pike. But uh, hopefully like comics come back soon and we can get together and talk about that. Well, I read a lot of, of those, man. And uh, I can go on forever about those as well. And we could have kept this podcast going another three hours if we would have talked about comics. Probably. But the true. thing is, it's like, you know, like this is the pandemic in America that people are kind of unfamiliar with. And nobody really knows what the true, you know, uh, false, true statement is. No one knows what's going on right now. And we're all just trying to give our personal opinions. And I'm glad that you were able 
to throw your opinion out there and help me expunge on mine because I feel the same way as you on a lot of topics and we only really disagreed on one thing and that was it. Yeah, and and even that, like I absolutely see the, the credence to your half of the argument there. It's really funny because like when I'm on, you know, Twitter, which is just a dumpster fire of social interaction, um, yeah. you know, I get like people all these on that get lunatics. Like I literally had a girl yesterday who was still pushing the Russia collusion thing to me, and I'm like, you cannot be serious right now. Like I, I don't even know what, what more you need to possibly hear about this before you know that that was like a total fabrication by the media, by the intelligence community, by the Democratic Party, including the then president. Um, you know, it's just it's it's hilarious to me. But then, you know, I get a chance to talk to perfectly reasonable people like yourselves. Uh, and, and you know, we, we can have a conversation about this. And while maybe not everyone agrees with what we have to say, I think it'd be hard pressed to find, um, you know, that, that we're not coming from a good place, that we're not coming from uh, at least trying to at, as best we can objectively process the information as it's coming in. Um, and yeah. it's, everybody's in a different boat right now. Like I'm working, uh, I, I, you know, other people are not, um, it, it's a very different situation for me than it is for other people. Um, and, and vice versa. So it's like, everybody's got a, a lot of different angles from which they're looking at this and it's not, everybody's going to die or we need to save absolutely every conceivable life down to bankrupting the entire nation for the purposes of saving that one obese 80 year old that was likely going to die regardless anyway um you know there is a middle ground and i, I don't mm -hmm. think i'm really that far towards either of those ends of the spectrum um i think that you know that there's there's ways of looking at this and trying to remove your emotion from it while also looking at it and saying it's quite clear the media has an agenda here it's quite clear the democrats have an agenda here it's quite clear even the Republicans have an agenda here. They, too, want Trump to be elected as badly as the Democrats want him to not be elected. So everybody's got an agenda, and um, I have an agenda, certainly. My agenda is to, to come here, kick it with you, plug my shit. Um, I'm the executive producer, I guess, if you will, of a political podcast myself called The Right Opinion, uh, called uh, uh, therightopinion.podbean.com. My, my good friend Harrison's the host over there. Uh, but he talks about this sort of stuff all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm, that he's got an agenda, too. But the agenda, at least, is out in the open with some outlets and others. They do their damnedest to try to shield you from it. And yep. uh, like the CNNs of the world pretending that they're facts first is simply silly. Uh, there, there's really no possible way you could actually think that that's true. Uh, whereas MSNBC, to their credit, even though they're wrong about everything, they tell you that they have a left lean I mean, it, it's pretty mm -hmm. out there. Rachel Maddow is the face of their program uh, of their programming. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot more left wing and, and radical and woke than Rachel Maddow. Uh, fake woke, not like legit woke, but um, the woke that they want you to believe is woke. So it's it's always cool to have these kind of conversations um, with, with literally anybody who's saying these days is good. But obviously people whose opinion uh, opinion I, I respect like yours and the nerdettes for that matter. Um, it, it, it just makes it all the better at the end of the day. We need more of this. I think so too, man. And, uh, there's more places that you do post content besides the Harrison Bergeron content that you're promoting your, your, uh, friends. Where else can we listen to you, man? That's true. You can also listen to me over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. It's the Hameen Media Group. Uh, I think you could search Hacker Hameen on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, we are there. I'm on the Wednesday locker room hashtag WLR and shout outs to uh to our buddies over there the sh the strangler Steve King and, wait a uh, and wait a second wait a second 
I think someone wants to say something about Strangler Steve King. Uh-oh. I'm just where is he? How come he couldn't do a run-in? You know, well, you we know? couldn't get him in time. I can tell you this. Um, <laughs> Strangler Steve anyone. Strangler Steve will do many a favor for, for uh, you know, the young boy of, of hashtag WLR, that being me. But I, I, even I couldn't finagle him away from his booking for the weekend. He's got precisely one booking that he takes on weekends, and that is with Mrs. Strangler Steve King. Uh, so he's, you know, spending some time with her while he can because um, the weekends are, are sort of their thing. But uh, I have a feeling the Strangler will, will possibly be making his way into the Voices of Misery. And wow, what a, what a marriage that would be because he'll say oh, no. he's old. He's old and miserable. He'll fit right in with the uh, with the Voices of Misery. Uh, he is, after all, at Old Bitter Steve on Twitter. So check him out there. And obviously, shout outs to Billy Ray as well when he occasionally decides to show up to talk wrestling with us. Uh, and then I also I talk about uh, NXT and NXT UK, more wrestling over on Hacker Hameen doing the Next Level Wrestling podcast. But uh, really enjoy doing these sorts of things, stepping outside the box a little bit, jumping awesome. into the Voices of Misery, checking out... Uh, once a blue moon, I got to call. I got to reach out to CEO Hayes and get back on over to the Awakened Soul as well. But uh, I love doing these guest spots, and uh, I like having the opportunity to just ramble, which you are more than happy to afford me, apparently, and I appreciate it. Oh, fuck, man. I fucking love doing these kinds of things. And I think Nerdette wanted to say one thing about Strangler Steve King because no, she loves him so much. I wanted to ask you, did you hear that uh, Billy Ray Valentine was saying that he smacks you around after – the Wednesday locker room when you get out of line. Oh, I have not heard this. He must have said this over on the B show, the Smack Attack, um, where I will you. obviously. The B show. Yeah. <laughs> if oh, that, I'm being I'm I'm being generous with the B show. There's there's plenty of shows in between us and the Smack Attack, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to take a listen to that. And uh, I have a feeling Billy Ray won't show up to the locker room this week, um, and it will definitely not be because I, uh, you know, kidnapped him. <laughs> well, well, for my boy, I got something to say for him. Andrew Bellow, I'll catch your punk ass down the road. Uh, <laughs> every time. All right, brother. Thank you for the interview, man. And thank you for coming on the show. We love you, man. And we appreciate you. Keep doing your thing in the Wednesday locker room and all the other shows you do. The NXT review show. You are doing a civic service for people that hate this bullshit called wrestling. And we appreciate you for doing what you do, man. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys as well. Love you guys. And uh, hopefully I'll be back to talk about less depressing things. We could talk about, you know, the 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 way that America stepped up and rose above all of this bullshit and, and you know, showed the world that it is the beacon of, of hope that we are uh, <laughs> and that we'll, we'll we'll look back at this and we'll say, wow, America really is exceptional. We really did handle this about as well as anybody could have. And uh, and uh, hopefully that is the conversation, and I'll be back to have it. I hope so, man. Well, I am just one text away, and we will do this again, my friend. Beautiful. Talk to right. you guys soon. Hey, everyone. This is Stevie Richards. When I'm not doing Stevie Richards Fitness, well, actually, when I am doing Stevie Richards Fitness Resistance Band Training Programs, I like to listen to my friends on the Voices of Misery podcast. They talk about literally everything and anything some stuff that might offend you. So if you're not easily offended, don't subscribe because they say whatever is on their minds is actually, actually subscribe, subscribe. Anyway, you might learn something and check them out anywhere. You can download and listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, check them out at voices of misery.podbean.com.